Welcome to the Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Toronto-based Warhammer 40,000 podcast. My name's Ian, and my co-host Jason will be joining me shortly, just as soon as he's finished summoning a vermin lord. This is episode 26, and tonight we will be focusing on Cities of Death in 8th edition, and an introduction to the Invicta campaign, a campaign that both Jason and I are participating in. Uh, we start off from news from the front, talking about our latest games and some of the uh, campaign progress. Then we dive deep into the Invicta campaign, how it's working, how it's been going so far. We also cover a, a Apocalypse game that we played in recently, in our first 8th edition Apocalypse. We also dive into the Cities of Death rules found in the Warhammer 40,000 core rulebook, as well as the Fire Sweep mission. We close out the show with some Beyond the Rim, talking about our non-40k uh, games. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrongsideofthemaelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrongsideofthemaelstrom at gmail.com. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts, and give us a glowing review. Please enjoy tonight's episode. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. You are now entering the wrong side of the maelstrom with your hosts, Ian Clough and Jason McKendry. Right, we're back in business. We're back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I've been. Uh, I feel like I've been playing a lot of games, not just forty k, just like lots of board games in general. I feel like you've been playing a lot of forty k. I always get constant texts from you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I wanna... played this person. I played this person. How this game went this way. This game yeah. went that way. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, someone's got to generate content. <laughs> exactly. I don't, you know, like I don't have a girlfriend or anything <laughs> yet. I, I need to live it up, man. You are living it up, bro. Yeah. Uh, so how about? Do, do you want me to go first or you go first? How do you want to do this? You talk first. <laughs> you I first. Me first? first. You first. Me first. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll go. Um, so we're just gonna talk about. Um, we'll get to the APOC game that we played later on because we played a big beautiful we played APOC our first game. eighth at apoc game. game that's yeah. right yeah so that we'll, is the first we'll dive eighth. into that later but uh first the smaller games that we played so i made a few acquisitions yeah. around the holidays um yeah you did i did yeah didn't get too much gaming in over the holidays just with all the family stuff but mm-hmm. uh perusing the the facebook groups and some things went up for sale yeah and uh someone was selling a bunch of crew and now everyone's going to like roll their eyes off oh, fucking crude because they're so bad. But uh, part of me was just like, oh, that is a, that's a tasty treat right there. <laughs> I like to punish myself. So I. Uh, it's not as punishing as other choices in that book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I no. heard an argument that crude and Vespid are the two worst choices for units in 40K. And now you own both and of now them. Now I own both of them. I picked up some Vespid, too. I don't know if we talked about that. Um, yeah. I'm enjoying the Vespid, though. Uh, the Crute, I'm enjoying, too. So mm-hmm. I made a list of... Um, it had 50 Crute in it uh, and two Shapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to add some Crute Hounds in there as well, but I don't have any. 
So I'm yeah. trying to get my hands on some right now. Uh, just because I wanted to try like a bit of a chaff list. Yep. Like adding a bit of a meat shield. and Yeah. Uh, so I made a list that had uh, basically it's like Shadow Sun and some stealth suits. Uh, two commanders uh, with some bodyguards. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, bunch of crew to kind of block them. And uh, a bunch of drones for support and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. For marker light support, obviously. And then, like, everybody is kitted out. Like, all the suits are kitted out with cyclic ion blasters, which pump out just, like, a crazy amount of strength 10. Uh, if you give them an upgrade, minus 2 AP. Strength 10. Sorry, strength 7. Okay. Uh, minus 2 AP with the upgrade, and then 1 damage. Or you can overcharge it. Strength 7, minus 1, minus 2 with the upgrade. Uh, D3 damage. It changes it from Assault 3 to Assault D3, which I made a mistake in my game against Mike, which I'm not going to talk about because... <laughs> Obviously, that was unfair because I cheated. Uh, but I played a game before that where I didn't make that mistake. I don't know how that worked. Um, against Jordan. And I played his Death Guard. And uh, it probably helped me in my game against Mike because I learned a lot about mm. using the chaff and using the crew properly and stuff. Yeah. Um, really, like, people don't expect it. Like, they're not a great unit, but people don't expect a Tau unit to be able to hit on threes, wound on right. fours probably. Yeah. And uh, if you have the Shaper with them, they re-roll rune, wound rolls of one. Mm-hmm. So you're hitting on threes, fours to wound most likely, maybe wounding on threes if it's a toughness three unit or whatever, yeah. right? Rerolling ones, yeah, there's no rend to it or anything like that, but you're still eating a lot of them. They only have a six plus save, so you're probably going to lose a lot of them, but it holds a unit up. Mm-hmm. And then who cares if you make them fall back just so you can shoot at them yeah, the exactly. next turn, right? Yeah. It's, it's like a roadblock. It's a bunch of nerglings, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Although nerglings are still cooler. <laughs> uh, but the models are super cool. Like, uh, he painted, I think, 20 of them are, like, fully completed, and there's, like, feathers on them and stuff like that. Oh, they have nice. this real, like, Native American, like, mm-hmm. like look to them. Yeah. Uh, and they have, like, the tall grass, which was the real selling point, because the crew that I've, that I've been doing, mm-hmm. I was putting tall grass on them. So I was yeah. like, it was meant to be. Um, and there's actually some forgeable units in there as well. That they don't make anymore. Right, like right. there's a, I think his name's like Angor Proc or something like that. He mm-hmm. was like the crew, like character. Yeah. Um, which is out of production now. There's no rules for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Forge Rules has said that they're gonna bring all these rules back. Who, Who knows, knows when? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but looking forward to that, and I wouldn't mind kind of playing with a, like my own crew codex, like working mm-hmm. on something like that. So we'll see if we get around to that one day. Right. So yeah, I played against Jordan, and he brought his Death Guard, which is just always a hard army for me to face i don't know how to get around it uh we were talking about this before my kind of qualm with death guard is that they're a really like tough army Mm -hmm. and they seem to be a really strong army they do a lot of damage especially in close combat yeah but why do they move so fast like i feel like i shouldn't be assaulted turn one by like any Death Guard so unit. What exactly assaulted you? Like we were talking. Well, about he didn't before. get a turn one assault off, but he ha- like I've been assaulted turn one by Death Guard before. You drop him in, you make a charge. Oh, like deep striking sure. stuff. Yeah, right. Okay. But I just don't feel like that's in the like when you have a unit that's so hard to kill and right. does so much damage to be able to hit you turn one. I don't know. I feel like that's maybe just sour grapes. But I mean, that's kind of deep strike in eighth, anyways. Is like you can get charges off but i've also seen people like deep strike half their army and fail every charge yeah and then try and kill all that death guard that's what i'm trying to say yeah okay okay i just from what i remember in seventh death guard was a very slow moving army Mm -hmm. that was hard to kill yeah right hey that's a fair trade-off um 
But now, like, drones and rhinos and stuff, they're all quite fast. Yeah. Like, the blight haulers are quite quick. You can you know, use the guy with the bell to, like, get stuff to re-roll run. Yeah, there's a lot of synergy. Yeah. And at the same time, like, I was playing a, I'm playing a Tau list, which Tau are just in a really bad place right now. <laughs> the Eastern Fringe? <laughs> um, but we'll see. I think I heard rumors in maybe March there's going to be a new codex. I'd be surprised if any current army doesn't have a codex by the end of the year if not like the oh end the end of the, of the year for sure but yeah, yeah but like june or august i at the rate gw is going i can't see how any codex could not be finished yeah except maybe dark eldar but i uh that'll be like 13 years yeah now. they're just never getting no they're getting retcon sorry dude yeah so. <laughs> um no dark eldar are awesome um so i i was playing a lot of tau and I don't want to say I was getting frustrated. Like mm-hmm. I do, the Tau was kind of my, my first love coming back to, to Warhammer. Yeah. Kind of what brought me back. Um, I just feel like it's still not there yet. They're a little frustrating to play because there's no real synergy with the army. Right. Which and makes it, um, like I like in 7th Ed, Tau were pretty busted. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a very easy army to sit back and play as. Yeah, if you're bringing... Surgery. It had a lot of synergy and, yeah. like, almost, like, synergy that was too easy. Right, um, right, And now a lot of, like... The fun part about Aether Ed is all the synergy that you can make with these lists, mm-hmm. right? Especially in narrative play where you can base a whole army around one stratagem yeah. or something like that that you can pop off multiple times yeah. or whatever. Or psychic power that you can pop off multiple yeah, times. Yeah. Um, I have, like, Tau just doesn't have any synergy going for it aside from marker lights, which even then are, like... They're hard to use now, mm-hmm. right? A lot harder to use, especially when everybody knows I have to take out marker lights. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're just like, oh, well, I have all this great shooting, but no benefits to any of it now because all my marker lights are gone. What about, are there characters that can take marker lights? Um, Yeah, but so like one one marker light. Right, okay. Right. Like you can put on your uh, Codger Fireblade. You can give him a marker light. Right. So not like, you can't have like three characters with like, like, like you D3. can't you can't give like your commanders marker lights right like okay that, right yeah um yeah well, we'll see so but so I was playing a lot of Tau and I kind of passed that now like I think I played like like four or five games with my Tau because mm-hmm. I wanted to move off of Grey Knights like I kind of wanted to start the new year playing like a different army yeah so I got a few games in with Tau and then that kind of wore off too but when I bought the Crude I also bought um these raging hero models yeah. Which is a third-party company. Um, they have a, a few different uh, like factions going on. Yeah, it's mostly like female GW. Yeah, they alternative. have like uh, yeah, it's a yeah exactly a female yeah. alternative. Um, so a lot of people use them as like uh, proxies for sisters, mm-hmm. uh, and they fit really well. They look they yeah. look great. They're really awesome. Like their poses are cool. Yeah, I mean they don't have bolters. I was thinking about swapping out their guns for bolters. But that's just a lot of bolters that I have to find, and yeah, that's probably not that hard to find. Mm, but yeah. it's also the sizes. Like, are they going to match up properly? And yeah, they're not the same proportions as sisters. Right. Like they're still skinnier than sister models. Yeah. So yeah. the bolters look a little ridiculous on them. But, like uh, the bolters look big on sisters to begin yeah. with, but these look like like I tried like putting one on right, and seeing right. how big it was. It's like massive. Yeah. On them. Uh, it doesn't really fit the. Uh, the aesthetic of the model. I wonder if you could find like old 
bolters. I was thinking about that. Well, especially I think some of the old, some of the sister models are old bolters on them. Right. Yeah. Because um, those are significantly smaller. Yeah. And I, I had a few of my bits box, but yeah, it's just like hunting it down. And yeah, it's almost an army that I kind of want to just, if I sit on it too long, I feel like I'm going to get bored of it. Yeah. Not bored of like, I've always wanted to play sisters, but I'm going to mm-hmm. like that. I have this huge drive right now to yeah. build this army. And I feel like if I just sit, like, if I hold off on it, that drive's going to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started building that and I uh, finally made a uh, fluffy yet a list that I feel can put up a good fight mm-hmm. of Inquisition. Nice. So not Inquisition is like Inqui- Inquisitors and Acolytes, but like I have three Inquisitors and then like some Death Watch, some Grey Knights, some Sisters, and then yeah. some Guard. And it's kind of like this whole storyline of like these three female Inquisitors getting together mm-hmm. And fighting for the same cause with like the with the orbital defense force or yeah. whatever for the for the planet that they're on. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The, just, I look at the I look at the army, the hundred power level. And I'm like, that is nice. That is a really cool army. Yeah, that I can't wait to play. So I've been building all of that. Uh, it's almost all built. I ordered a uh, repressor upgrade kit because mm-hmm. I think the repressor is a great uh, a great unit. Yeah, we, we were, were talking ta- about it before. Yeah, man. we're yeah. like, so you put a Dominion squad in there. And they're a fast attack choice. Uh, they can take... It's a special weapon squad, basically. Right, okay. Uh, so you can take four melta guns, let's say. And then the, the sergeant of the group can take... Or the sister... Uh, sister superior. Yeah, can take a uh, multi-melta. Not a multi-melta, a combi melta. Uh, so you have five melta weapons. You put them all in the repressor. If the repressor yeah. has all of units that are able to uh, scout... I forget what it's called in this... For the scout, for fine. yeah, for this, <laughs> uh, it can make the scout move, obviously, right? Yeah, so you put them in that repressor, that repressor can move forward 12 inches before the game starts. Mm-hmm. Use an act of faith to allow them to shoot, so you're getting five melt gun shots right. before your turn. Move another 12 inches on your movement phase, mm-hmm. then they can all fire because it has uh, six fire ports, I believe. Yeah, then they can fire it again now, probably within like half range because you got that 24 inch movement, yeah. right. I feel like you can do a lot of damage with it, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I was saying to you beforehand, like, I was just watching a tabletop tactics battle report, an mm-hmm. older one, and immolators are pretty good, too. So they have, like, a huge threat range and, like, twin, immol- like, assault uh, heavy flamers. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a shame the, uh, like, the classic vehicle that, like, sisters are known for, like the exorcists. Just is not in a good place right now. It's not mm. a very good. Um, eight strength, eight minus four. Yeah, but it's like a. I forget what it is now. It's like a D six shot weapon. It always was D six. It always D six. Yeah. It's just so like I don't know. You risk, man. I'd rather take five melta shots. Like I yeah. always know my five melta shots are coming in at well, you. You save a command point, forward, and like you know, mm-hmm. re-roll the one shot to a six. Yeah. We'll see. I know uh, eventually it's gonna. I'm gonna end up having everything. <laughs> yeah. Do they have any? They don't have any stratagems or the strata a stratagem for um, chapter approved that helps out the repressor. Or anything no, like no, that. no. Okay. They have a. Uh, they got a stratagem that allows them to. I think it's one CP to deny a psychic power on a four plus. Oh, that's not bad. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, they also they're all like every single unit can attempt to deny mm-hmm. with one die. Yeah. Which is... You're, you're okay. banking on, like, someone barely getting a smite off and then yeah. getting a six, which is... It's cool that everyone can do it, but it's not really... Yeah. It, I was 
thinking about that. If it was like the number of models plus D3 or something, that would be cool. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Even just the ability. I mean, they're supposed to be anti-psyker. Yeah. Even just the ability to... I mean, I guess... Like, I know the Inquisitor. If your Inquisitor isn't a psyker, mm-hmm. they're allowed to deny a test. Right. Right? The straight just deny with two yeah, dice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you're asking for too much, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, that you'll that army with three Inquisitors and, like, Grey Knights and stuff, they, it has a lot of psychic defense. Yeah, there's also um, a combo that I threw in there because I have a unit of uh, Grey Knight Terminators, mm-hmm. and there's a Primaris Psyker that goes with that and an Inquisitor that goes with that Psyker Inquisitor that goes with it, right? Yeah. Uh, the Inquisitor casts uh, Terrify, I believe, which is minus one to leadership. Okay. And then the Primaris Psyker casts Terrifying Visions, which is minus two to leadership. Uh, you make that Inquisitor a Warlord and give her plus one leadership. So she's leadership 10, and she gives mm-hmm. everyone within six inches her leadership. Right. So you target... Those two psychic powers against a unit. It's obviously you need to pass every single psychic test yeah, yeah. and have it not denied. But you pass, you, you put both of those negative leadership psychic powers on one unit. Mm-hmm. And then you use the Terminator's cast Purge Soul with leadership 10 from the Inquisitor. Yeah. So you're rolling. So Purge Soul is we both roll a D6 mm-hmm. and then add our leadership. Well, if you take the high average of leadership being around eight, let's say. For a unit with a sergeant. Let's yeah, say. sergeant, space marine sergeant. I'm saying most people play Chaos or or uh, Imperium, right? Uh, yeah, space marine sergeant is eight, yes. so that's a good So let's metric. just say that. Uh, at minus three, you're now five. Yeah. I'm ten. Right off the bat, I'm plus five. And then we yeah. roll off for it, right? So there's so, a good chance you're taking, even if we roll even, you're taking five mortal wounds. Oh, even if you roll like the same, you mean? Yeah, let's yeah. say we both roll four well, and we add ours. We yeah. add our leadership, right? I'm yeah, already yeah, five yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, so they need to roll six. You need to roll one to just avoid. to even out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a cool combo, but you need three second powers to go off for it to to work. <laughs> True, but that like that's dealing a significant number of mortal wounds to yeah. like a big monster or vehicle or something, or to take a character straight out. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not nothing to sniff at. No, unless you're line troops or leadership ten. <laughs> yeah Ian's dusting his uh, just fingernails off right here yeah, yeah. Just, ah, yeah. beautiful black legionnaires yeah. uh, disciplined units in the galaxy so what about you man what have you been playing uh, so I went down to visit Windsor went to my old club and got two games in so I played Rob who brought out his world eaters put up some pictures on uh, Facebook we played Maelstrom well, I don't remember which one but one of the Maelstrom missions I was busted out the Black Legion, 2,000 points. And this is like my current Black Legion list. Yeah. So Chaos Lord, Sorcerer, two 10-man uh, Legionnaire squads with two Plasma and Calmly Plasma, two, one or two 10-man Cultist squads, then some Rubric Marines, uh, Plague Marines, Hellbrute with Multimelta, uh Havoc slanesh with auto cannons so they can shoot twice and stuff. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mauler Fiend, which is a fairly recent acquisition, which love that model. Yeah, I know. I came by one weekend and like I saw it sitting around. I was like, when did you get that? <laughs> I got it not like right before Christmas, I think, or yeah. right before the APOC game. And uh, bikes that Leonard gave me. So I have six bikes with, with a melt to load out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a Leviathan... Hellforge Dreadnought, which is with twin butcher cannon arrays, so it's sixteen <laughs> strength eight shots. That has so skip, dirty. It's so, so good. 
And I just remembered it gives minus leadership, and I haven't been doing that. Oh, yet. really? Yeah. <laughs> I have been remembering my death to the false emperor, though. Yeah. Which is like... So many Chaos players forget that. I know. I'm trying to... That's why I'm trying to do yeah. it, because it's like, oh, this is... You know, you're paying points for the ability. It's Definitely. so thematic and so good. Yeah. So, and I always use first amongst traders when I'm fighting Imperiums. Which my gives warlord. you the plus one to it, right? Yeah, yeah. within six inches of mm-hmm. the Lord. So, uh, anyway, so that was a fun game. He brought Karn, a bunch of Berserkers, and a Lord of Skulls. Mm-hmm. And I just had to gun down Lord of Skulls, like put every ranged weapon I had into it and got it down to like maybe two or three wounds left and charged in the Hellbrute and just it whacked it and tore it to pieces. <laughs> um, so that was definitely the highlight of that game. And Karn is kind of a beast. I don't know if you know this, but he's dirty. Yeah. He's really well, good. I mean, I've only experienced him on the table once and he got bitch slapped by a chaplain. Oh, okay. but <laughs> Yeah, I brought him out against uh, Jeff, which I'll talk about later yeah. in that game, but he didn't. He only got into combat like once, so. Uh, yes, that was the first game. Second game was 3,000 points. Me and Aaron, I brought 1,500 Blood Angels. He brought 1,500 uh, Luna Wolves. I don't remember. I, oh, he used Iron Hands Chapter Tactics versus Tyler, who brought 3K of Tyranids. Nice. Yeah, I don't remember. What mission? I think we played one of the new Eternal War missions where yeah. you could, like, there were six objectives on the table, but if the objective was in your opponent's deployment zone, you could burn it down. Oh, okay. So you scored one point for each objective you held at the end of your turn. But if you burned an objective, you scored D3 and removed it from the table. Right on. So that was crazy because he had like tons of stuff deep striking. Yeah, I was going to say Tyranids. He, can probably, he has a lot of flying. Like, he had a lot of gargoyles. Well, right? so. Yeah, he'd have, he only had one flyer in, I think. Maybe two. But the gargoyles all deep struck. A bunch of like stuff burrowing and things yeah. like psychic powers and gene stealers for days like yeah. just tons of stuff and they're so good yeah <laughs> you know what's also good blood angel assault squads <laughs> oh yeah so all like this squad of like 30 gargoyles charged in swarm lords like at our door and all this other stuff raveners a big lizard worm thing that i can't remember the name <laughs> the moloch yeah, Moloch or the other one. I don't remember which one it was. Yeah. Starts with a T, I think. The Any. Tyrgon Prime or whatever it is. No. The, oh, yeah, the something. Anyways. Anyways. Um, so I countercharged and just, or like, in, you know, used two points to interrupt and stuff. Yeah. And I did so much damage. Because nice. I got the captain there and the priest and the banner. So there you got reroll ones to hit and to wound. Yeah. And it's the first turn, so they've got like a, you know, strength five, wounding on twos in the first, and just so much damage mm-hmm. was done. And it was that epic. I used the Warlord trait, uh, Speed of the Primarchs. So my captain always counts as charging. Oh, right on. So, yeah, so that was, uh, it was like a free interrupt every turn. Mm-hmm. So that was awesome. Um, yeah, I think we ended up losing... I feel like we got tabled, but <laughs> it was a really sounds like fun. there was a lot of nids. Three thousand points of nids, maybe a lot of models. Yeah. Uh, also, land speeders hit on threes in close combat. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Not just the Forge World Javelin ones that Aaron was using, but like I looked it up today, all land speeders just hit on threes right in on. close combat. <laughs> I don't know why. Sweet. Yeah, kind of weird. Uh, so yeah, I uh, in those two games I tabled Rob, and then I got pretty sure we got like wiped out by Tyler. 
Yeah, I think we called it pretty by about turn three or four. Yeah. Uh, also, my friend Zach, who I don't think he's ever been on the show, but he's like a big nerd. And he ended up for Christmas buying himself a Start Collecting Necrons. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. Zach's like I was the best man at his wedding. So he's a good friend. And now he's starting to play 40K. Yeah, I was talking to him about the other day. And uh, he had said that, you know, with 40K the way it was before, it was too like convoluted for him to like. Yeah. Like, he felt like it was too complicated for him to just like jump in. But now that he played a test game of eighth, mm-hmm. he's like, wow, this is like really simple. This is fun. People yeah. just die and that's it. So it's great to see him deciding that now is the time that he wants to like, and I think that that's like, isn't that the story of eighth right now? Yeah. Is people that people jumping in people jumping in because it's, it's an easy and a fun game to get mm-hmm. into now. Yeah. And Zach's like, we used to play Dawn of War a lot. I've always been for much of our friendship. Like I've been playing like when we were roommates, I'd be painting and stuff. Yeah. And he's read some of the fiction as well. And just, but never wanted to get into it. And mm-hmm. now it's just, it's that easy. I feel like Necrons 2 is a, is a good starter army, especially yeah. from the hobbying perspective, because I'm not any army can be easy as, as difficult as you want it to be to paint. Yeah. But at least it's an easier army for him to paint and get by at like a lower painting level, like a beginner's painting level, True. right? True. But he's been painting his Mansions of Madness, guys. And yeah. He's doing a pretty good job. Nice, nice. Like we were doing like a Discord hobby chat mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and he's like, yeah, I tried out some wet blending techniques. And like, Are you fucking <laughs> just me? going like, for just, it? Okay, better than me already. Why like, not? Well, so, you just need to try it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I don't. His, have you ever tried to wet blend? No. Yeah. So how do you know? <laughs> anyway, but his stuff looks. It's definitely way above any beginner level. Yeah. And the bases are really cool. So, um, if you line up all the cultists around the. Uh, magus or yeah. whatever they their bases form like oh, a ring like... in the stone oh cool like you know how that one puzzle where it's like a star pattern you have to like switch it around yeah okay yeah, yeah so that's what his bases look like when Sweet. they're lined up properly cool and it's really cool so yeah we played a test game like 50 power level he used black legion i used my blood angels mm-hmm. and he he no he didn't mop the floor with me it was very close i think <laughs> i won by like one point in the last turn right on Sweet. Yeah. That Leviathan is dirty. He was using that guy. <laughs> yeah, man. I Yeah, you had that Leviathan sitting around. For like almost six months. Yeah, and like one day I was like, wait, what? You have this? Why have you not built this, man? This is such a dirty model. Well, originally it was for my Space Wolves. and you Your know, Horus Heresy, like your yeah, 30K. My, yeah, sorry, my Space 30K Wolves. Yeah. wolves. And that project got sidelined hard by 8th edition. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. So, yeah, I built it up. I really like the pose. It's super dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the thing's uh, kind of good. A little good. I mean, it's as much as a Land Raider, but it's almost as tough as a Land yeah, Raider. Yeah. Arguably tougher, actually, because there's an involve. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, throwing down with my Inquisition list against the Black Legion. Yeah. Which we will uh, we'll do soon for the campaign. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about next. All right. Stay tuned. Alrighty, we're back, and we're going to be talking about Ian's new campaign. Yeah, the Scourge of Invicta, as it is called, <laughs> bringing the Pilgrim Sector up to date with the 40k fluff. Uh, one thing I will say, because followers of the podcast, friends of the Maelstrom, as you will, mm-hmm. um, 
you're probably aware that the Pilgrim Sector is the sector of space that Ian created. Mm-hmm. That basically all of the campaigns that we run, uh, anyone in our group, we try to make the campaign based in the sector. Yeah. And uh, we try to make it not not really affect. It's hard to, but like storyline wise, what happens in that sector? It like everybody that takes place, like takes a part in these campaigns. I feel like they're a bit more invested because they know about this sector. They yeah. know about what's happened in the past, and there's almost this ongoing storyline. So while we have mm-hmm. these smaller campaigns, in the larger picture, there's this massive campaign going on. Yeah. Almost right. Uh, we're building our own history. Yeah, exactly. for a sector, and yeah. everybody's really enjoying it. I find. Yeah, and a lot of people just even in the last like day or two because we just finished phase one mm-hmm. have posted lots of really cool narrative like sn- snippets and mm-hmm. stuff, which you know they're worth points, but I, I think that's a nice incentive for people to add it up. Yeah, and definitely. Also, um, so I think there were three or four games that were reported like last minute. Yeah, like right before midnight actually. <laughs> before the phase closed and before I went to bed. So before I saw these, I was tallying up the scores and Imperium was winning based on points for writing narrative. Oh, right on. Yeah. And then after a few games got reported and a few more things like the chaos are now one phase one. Yeah. But it was extremely close. And the balance, the, the balance of points was, almost swung by narrative or mm-hmm. was swung initially by narrative points. Yeah. I really love the idea of giving an incentive um, to encourage your players to take part, not only in playing the game, but in writing the narrative of the campaign. Yeah. Um, it gets everyone involved uh, more invested emotionally. Mm-hmm. I feel they, they become more invested emotionally in their army itself. Yeah. And the characters that they're putting on the table and such. Um, it just, it also, I find, takes a little bit of stress off of the GM as well. Yeah, off the, absolutely. The person running the campaign. Because yeah. it's not just like, everybody sit back, I'll figure out what's going on, right? Like, obviously, you've planned out the campaign and stuff, but you don't, you almost don't have to write as much because they're all writing it for you, yeah. kind of, right? Well, I basically, I'll write like a paragraph to introduce this phase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've kind of got it mapped out to a certain extent, like, it's it's like behind the scenes. It's like a tree campaign. Yeah. So what happens in the next phase is kind of based on what happens in this and the final phase, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I re, I'm a strong believer that the best stories. I mean, I mean, this is self evident, but like our the best narratives are based on characters, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it's really hard to do in a 40k campaign. Mm-hmm other than the GM just creating characters. But I'm discovering now that when people invest in their army and their warlord as characters, mm-hmm. like you have Chris's Captain Bronwyn and um, was it Zach's uh, Chaos Lord Mikhail and Company Master Michael and yeah. all these different characters who are now being fleshed out and coming to the fore of the campaign. Mm-hmm. And they're not characters I created. They're not characters that are under my control as the GM. Yeah. And the campaign is becoming more and more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of on the same page about like how the story's going and stuff. And that's, you know, it's from the game. It's from the, based on the games that we're playing. And yeah. it's really adding 
like an RPG, a role-playing element to the campaign that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to like the Pilgrim sector, yeah, the idea of having this sector that or this area of space that you base all of your gaming groups campaigns campaigns yeah. around. Uh, or even like larger games, APOC games and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to you about how this summer, because it seems like everyone's making a Chaos Army now. Yeah. And I've been toying around for a while and doing a Night Lord's Army. Mm-hmm. And like, well, what would be a good way to do like a, a slow build kind of? Is to do a small maybe escalation campaign. Mm-hmm. All Chaos. To take place in the part of the warp that's near the Pilgrim Sector. Oh, that'd be cool. Part of the warp storm that's around there. Yeah. Um, it's actually even pretty close to the Maelstrom. I believe uh, it's not that far. So, um, if you look on a map of the Imperium, the Pilgrim Sector is situated between the Car Chard- the Cardon Sector and Tau Space. Mm-hmm. So, which is uh, an Orc-controlled sector, and was uh, that was the Arch Arsonist of Cardon was kind of like a, this jumping-off point for the first campaign I ran in the Pilgrim Sector. Mm-hmm. So it's not right next to the Cicatrix Maledictum, but, but it's, it's pretty close. close. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about making the campaign in that part. Yeah. And that the winner, um, it would be kind of a map campaign to all taking place inside of there. Mm-hmm. And then whoever won, we would make that like the heavy chaos influence of the Pilgrim Sector because they'd nice. be coming out of the out of the warp storm, making raids and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And whoever won, we could start mm-hmm. fluffing that out more. Yeah. Right? And like this. Like, Invicta is a gate world. Like, it's on at the entrance to the Pilgrim, or a entrance to the Pilgrim Sector. Mm-hmm. Like, what's at stake now is, you know, we just did a Planet Strike phase where Planet Strike was the mission you were supposed to play. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like this is the Planet Strike campaign because if they manage to take this world, that'll, give, that'll open up much of the subsector and also the sector at large. Yeah. So th- there's ramifications. And there's other ones, like the Raxus system, for example, that's orc-controlled because of a campaign. Mm-hmm. The um, uh, Colorax world, like that's under Space Wolf control right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carnivora, which formerly Gaius. It'd six, be cool for us like to, to like make that. up an actual map. I have one. Oh, you have an actual map? Of it, the, yeah. Oh, did you? I didn't see yeah. it. Of like all the worlds and, the, and who's yeah. controlling them and stuff? Yeah, I don't have that much detail, but I It'd do be cool have, to make that type of detail yeah, so people can yeah. see, like, because of the campaign, how it's affecting the, the sector and yeah, who yeah. controls what area and stuff like that. Yeah, but, like, all the systems that have taken place that have been, either been part of a campaign or even just mentioned as part of, like, some fluff to yeah. go with the campaign are on the map. Right on. So and one or two others, too, that haven't been fleshed out yet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I didn't get a chance to play in the first round. Yeah. But I'm planning on playing in the second round, which just started yesterday. Yeah, I believe this week. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to be rocking my my Inquisition list that nice. I was talking about before. Um, so I didn't get any cam- any campaign games in, but you got some in. Yeah. Before we get to those, though, we should talk about the Apocalypse game. Yeah, this was a precursor to it. Yeah. So I didn't really get time. I have time to write the narrative for the Apocalypse. Game. I didn't even know that it was part of the. <laughs> no, it was a precursor. I know. So, you told me earlier today that it was. I was like, oh, okay. But if you if you look at the fluff for, I guess I'll have to post all this now on our Facebook page, but if you look at the fluff for the Invicta campaign, it's a Space Hulk and Chaos fleet entering the outer reaches of the system, and they destroy, they invade a planet before they get to like the main planet, and that first invasion was um, was meant to be... The APOC game. Yeah. Which... Uh... 
Well, you hosted an APOC game. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, the day of, you were incredibly sick. Yes. To the point where you could not participate at all. You spent the day in your bedroom. Yeah, so I spent the day before prepping for the APOC game, like cleaning my apartment, setting up the table, building a Leviathan dreadnought, stuff like that. And I ate like complete garbage that day and had a really bad food hangover to the point where I couldn't keep anything down the next day. And just after we'd finished setting up, I was like, guys, I have to go to the bathroom and then to bed. <laughs> so... So I hosted an APOC game yeah. there, please. Um, so it was Imperium versus Chaos uh, with a little bit of Tau help. Yeah. Because I didn't realize that's what it was supposed to be. It was, well, like straightly, I, it was strictly Imperium versus Chaos. I didn't limit it that way because I knew people, like, I didn't want, I wanted people to bring whatever army they felt like. Yeah, but. also we were kind of encouraging people to bring more because we played APOC games where you don't give any restrictions kind of and people bring a lot of like smaller units and yeah. like lots of troops and i feel like apoc is played best with just a high point scale so you can bring all of your large models yeah exactly. they eat up a lot of those points yeah. so even though we played like what was it ten thousand on ten thousand or something like that oh yeah probably close to that I um like the model count wasn't massive mm-hmm. like there was a lot of super heavies on a lot of super heavies on the table um Things were just dying like crazy. Yeah. I think it was about a thousand power level per side, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I ended up playing Tau and had two storm surges and the Taunar. Uh, I was playing on the Chaos side, and I feel like that really leveled the playing field because mm-hmm. that Taunar is still so good. Um, when I say so good, it's good, but it's really good against super heavies. Right. Because that gun that it has is macro. And I had two turns in a row where I not one-shotted, but fired that pulse driver cannon, I think it's called. No, that's not what it's called. Anyways, his big gun is on the top of his head. Right. Um, and I took a super heavy out each turn. Ugh. Straight, I think it was 35 damage oh each turn God. or something like that that it did. Yeah. Because it doubles its damage with macro. Yeah. It's Oh, Jesus awesome sauce <laughs> yeah i think and one of those was the shadow sword yeah it was a good thing you, you weren't playing because i that, i'm pretty sure that was the first model to go down it often is <laughs> because clips. i knew that it had macro as well so i don't I know like, if it does actually oh, i thought you said it did no because macro is a forge world rule and it's not a forge world. Oh, but okay. it has it has bonuses against titanic it has oh, that's it, can, what it, it can do a ton of damage yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so i knew that it was probably going to be my biggest threat yeah. So I took that out, and I think I took another another variant, Imperial Guard variant, the next turn out. Right, because Leonard brought a Bane Blade or something. So yeah, I brought two of them or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then eventually I had a bunch of uh, Space Wolves deep striking on me. So Chapter Approve came out, and they brought out APOC rules. Sort of. I guess. Yeah. There's no rules in there. There's missions. Yeah, there's missions and kind of like guidelines on how to like run an APOC game. Yeah, and that, that's that been in previous books, and it's a valuable part of Apocalypse running, you know, learning how to run the game. Yeah, and yeah. Guidelines. Um, however, if you were to do like single activation uh, with like five people 
on either side or four people on either yeah. side, you're looking at like turns that are just going to be so long, which turns are long in APOC. Yeah. But like, I feel like that turn is just going to bog stuff down. So we really started uh, homebrewing some rules. Yeah. So I found some from NGC 40K, which is another pod narrative podcast. Yeah. It's really good. Highly recommend checking them out. And I'll post the rules on our Facebook page or a link to their rules, I should say. And they had some really good suggestions that you guys tried out in terms of, like, how many activate, like, a team activates each combat, like, each player activates a unit. Mm -hmm. And if teams are uneven, you adjust for that. So one team has one less activation or whatever it ends up being. Um, Another rule that we did, which got a little bit of heat and needs to be reworked, is... I guess because it's APOC, we figured the table would just get, like, bogged down with models. Yeah. So the deep striking rule became you don't have to place your model down within nine inches, mm-hmm. but your charge is always nine inches. Yeah. Which seems like, well, that's fair. I mean, you don't want models not to be able to come down. People, certain models have to go in reserve or stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, and when the whole table gets filled up, well, you don't want your models just to never be able to play, yeah. be played, right? Um, however... It doesn't allow you to chaff anything, which at first seems like, well, that seems good. It's APOC. Things should just die, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But it's not the chaffing that's the problem. It's the problem when you have a unit drop down one inch away from three of your best models, and all they have to do is roll a nine to multi-charge all of them. Mm. And it's not like, well, if you were normally, you'd only be able to charge one of them, let's say. No, I put them down in between all of them. And it's still only a nine-inch charge to get a multi-charge yeah. off. And you take out three massive models, yeah. right? That was the issue that people were having is that it should be you have to drop down nine inches away from a model unless you can't, in which case you have to make it yeah. the as close as you can to nine inches. Yeah, or do something like instead of one inch away do like three or six inches away or something like just it, it doesn't it even if it's three six inches, it doesn't it's the fact that you can drop a model in a unit in between and then spread out and multi-charge multiple you can, you can hit everybody with that death star unit that you drop down yeah but i mean you can technically do that now if there's enough space but that's when there's not like you didn't make enough space for them you put the chaff that you needed to put there but they can still drop them down and then charge everybody yeah. Right? Yeah. The only difference you can do is separate your models to the point that... Yeah, it's... But try playing, like, certain armies need need the synergy to be together, right? Yeah. Or you need to leave, like, a decent assault unit back to deal with those deep strikers, which I think is very thematic for Apocalypse. Like, you don't leave your artillery undefended if they have, like, paratroopers coming in, right? You leave guys to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you always need to look... Like, Apocalypse is best when you're looking big picture. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the rules probably need to be tweaked for sure, but... No, no, and people... Yeah. It got... Most, it got a, That was the one thing in the game that people were questioning. That, like, yeah. well, not that it was terrible, but how do we make it so that it's not broken, almost? Yeah, I... I don't know. It's a, something we'll look at for yeah. the next one. Um we also did, uh, if it was like a random damage weapon against like a multi-wound unit, you mm-hmm. roll just once for the damage. Instead yeah, of rolling, rolling for like, each one, yeah. 
All right, I'm firing these D3 damage weapons at your Terminators. I got to roll the dice individually. Otherwise, you know, you just roll once and then yeah, apply that's what it to the whole squad. Yeah. Trying to speed up the process of all the multi-die rolling. Yeah, and we pooled command points because, and that's what MGC 40K suggested, and they had a bunch of homebrew stratagems that were like 12 and 15-point stratagems and oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Which we didn't end up using. And you guys just used re-rolls, I understand. Uh, no, we had other ones. You could use other ones as well. The re-rolls was the main one. Yeah. But the problem that we had with the uh, the mass like pool. The, the mass pool was that um, almost, like at least each team, like I know I had it as my Warlord trait, right. and Leonard did as well. He was playing Imperial Guard. Mm-hmm. Was that if your if you or your opponent uses a stratagem, roll a die and you get a command point back, or like they finished off with like a crazy amount of command points still, yeah, right. And we're thinking that the group command point pool shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, like you should just have your own command points, and even to the point where, um, like you shouldn't be allowed to take those warlord traits that allow you to regain command points because in a multiplayer game. So many command points are being... So many yeah. re-rolls. When you have 40 command points, and like you're going to be re-rolling like crazy. Yeah. Well, when you're getting command point back on a 5 or a 6, every time someone uses a command point, yeah. like we like they were going over the number of command points they started with at one point, yeah. right? Because they're just, okay, we're gaining them back because you're using them, right? Like Yeah. It got out of hand to yeah. the point where, well, especially if you want stuff to die, yeah, for don't sure. let them be re-rolling as many saves and stuff. So you should just be able to use your command points and probably not be able to yeah. regain any back. I mean, this, this all this stuff is, it's a home, essentially at this point, Apocalypse is just homebrewed yeah. rules. So every Apocalypse game, just like every campaign and stuff, each one's a learning experience or a beta test. Mm-hmm. Like these are all things, you know, next time we run Apocalypse, okay, we're going to know these are the changes we need to make. Yeah, exactly. And it might even just be like, this is stuff that we need to, deal with in our meta or our group of players yeah. where like it might not be a problem in other play gaming groups for whatever reason. Yeah. I will say this was definitely the most fun I've had playing Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played a few games now of Apocalypse. I think this was probably my fourth one. That sounds right. And I hadn't been too impressed before. Mm-hmm. I just felt it was a really, really long game of like small units, just lots of, just a lot more Warhammer. Yeah. Right? I Basically, I can just get the exact same thing out of a two-hour, three-hour game. Yeah. All I get to do is see a couple cool models on the table. But more or less, people are just bringing, you know, 3,000 points of Battle Chaos Cultists. Com- Battle Company. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the fact that everyone brought, like, massive Titans and yeah. the Townar and I think was a Mastodon we had on the table. Yeah. Yeah, like, super cool units you normally don't see spending, like, so many massive tanks, um, lots of Lehman Russes. Yeah. Uh, it it felt very different. Things were dying like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's just 8th ed as opposed to 7. Right. right. Um, I don't know. Most fun I've had. And Chaos didn't even end up winning. Yeah. My team won. Yeah. First time. My team won. Yeah. And I wasn't there. And you weren't there. I'm so part do of the you problem. Count, do you count as getting that win? Sort do you? I want to hear you. Do you think that you won that game? No. No? You don't count that towards your... You're still... Un, uh, you don't still have a victory in APOC? I don't think so. <laughs> it's like the only... If you t- had rolled one die, 
I would say that he would count. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I did. Like, it's like when I beat Noah. No, it's like the only time I've technically won in Rebel- Star Wars Rebellion against Noah is when he conceded after he realized he'd been cheating for half the game. Like, <laughs> it's not a real win. Yeah. Like, um, no, I, I'm glad it worked out. I'm really upset I couldn't be there for it. And I think you're right. Like Apocalypse should be busting out all the stops, all the big units. Even if you don't own a Titan yeah. or like a Mastodon or something, bringing your big Death Stars, bringing like 20 Terminators and like two Land Raiders, stuff yeah. you normally wouldn't bring. Like your real heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, I was also toying with an idea. We didn't do it in this game because we kind of, I kind of brought it up last second. Yeah. Because I was worried that some people were going to kind of ignore what we had talked about. Yeah. And bring like a bunch of small units the problem that we had was we had an apoc game where someone ended up bringing a bunch of five-man units i, I that's happened with me and it just eats too. up so much time with your yeah. shooting for every single five-man unit right when yeah. it's like you're not gonna do anything uh anyways mm-hmm. but um, even if you are you're just taking up so much time yeah breaking the maximum unit squad size so long as you're taking like you can combine right units, yeah um Kind of like that orc stratagem in chapter approved. Okay, is the, I know Imperial Guard have one too, where you can combine infantry yeah. units. So if it's, I think the orc one is like if they are from the same data slate, you can just combine them. You can do mid game with them, but like just at the beginning of the game, saying like, okay, well these three tactical squads is just now a thirty man tactical. Squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that would that would enhance the apoc feel as well, where yeah. like massive units going along. It's also easier to shoot. I mean. You have to play test it because I'm afraid that that would just be like, well, now I only have to worry about shooting at one squad instead of three, spending fire. Like, yeah, know. true. It depends because you, if you look at it another way, like, what if they conga line a thirty man tax squad so that from one end of the board to the other they're getting like reroll to hit. Yeah, them. exactly, and also, um, like, things like uh, com- like voice of command. Yeah. Now you can voice command just one fucking massive squad. But you could right? you could say something like either a make it a universal stratagem so people have to spend command points. To yeah, do it. to do stuff like that. Yeah. Or b they're not affected by other units' abilities. Mm-hmm. Like you can't cast buffs on them and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it would need some work, but I would like to see that in play, just because I like the idea of a thirty-man tactical squad. Yeah, it's very Horus Heresy, which yeah. is very like apocalyptic. Exactly. Apocalyptic. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is, like, despite having a fairly large apartment, I still can't get a very large Warhammer table <laughs> in here. So it's important that people bring... Like, the the other APOC game I ran here, mm-hmm. where people brought mostly smaller units compared to this one, like, the table was full. Yeah, That's, it was to the point where models couldn't be deployed anymore. Yeah. The deployment had been filled up so much yeah. with infantry, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Unless you're planning on playing like on a, I don't know, a 20 by 10 foot table or something, you kind of need to plan ahead mm-hmm. and do that. Our game also went by really fast. Like we finished, we started at what time? Around like 10, 30, 11? I think that's when people started arriving. Yeah. I think Setup I, was probably 11, probably first turn I think, started like 11, I think 30, first 12. Turn started, no, I think first turn started at 11. Oh, okay. And we were finished by like 4.30. How many turns did you guys get through? Uh, th- Four, I think. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which yeah, it's really good for APOC. Like we yeah. finished the first turn in like an hour and an hour and a bit or an hour and a half yeah. when we were scheduled for like two and a half hours for the yeah. first turn. I mean the the other just going back a little bit, like the other thing about if someone brings multiple small units to an APOC game, like it's you should be doing timed phases. Yeah. So if someone like I've had this happen before at an APOC game where um shoot, I'm blanking on his name, but he brought like a full battle company of space marines. This is back on seven. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I just got a few more rhinos or tax squads to shoot. I'm like, no, you're out of time. Yeah. You were told in advance that this was the game and to plan your army accordingly. Yeah, I was in the middle because I was playing Tau, just yeah. massive amounts of shooting. Uh, I was in the middle of rolling. I think I was rolling to wound, and the yeah. timer went off, and I just scooped the dice up, and that's it. Sorry. Yeah. I ran. I was in the middle of my roll, yeah. right? But no, that's it. It could have taken another five minutes to finish that off, right? Yeah. To figure out the wounds, to figure out the damage. Yeah, nope, yeah, yeah. that's it. Sorry, I didn't finish in time. Yeah, and you should be prioritizing, like, all right, town on our shoots first. Now yeah, storm well, and, and I would. Right? This was, like, farther into, I yeah, think it was, like, like, something to do with a storm surge, missiles, or something like that, right? Like, yeah, it's like, okay, well, my five-man fire warrior squad didn't get to shoot. Yeah. Big whoop. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, who takes fire warriors in any pocket? I don't know, but, like, <laughs> but that's the point. No, like, someone was bringing five-man yeah. attack squads. No, I think I think I had 15, or with drones, I think I brought 18 models. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I didn't bring too many in my list because mm-hmm. it was like mostly Terminators, Land Raiders, and a Shadow Sword. Yeah. So I actually think I, they I, forgot to shoot some of your units a few turns. I was told. Because they just yeah. forgot about your stuff. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it didn't matter. Imperium won in the end yeah. in a very close game. So I can't wait to play another 8th edition APOC. And I encourage other people to try it out if you haven't tried it out. Even if you're not like... People always think of APOC as like this organized event. But... You can just play APOC with two people. Oh, yeah. I've done right? it. It's so, so fun. Yeah, exactly. I think people should just try out the APOC rules, especially if you have the models to do it. Try an APOC game out because it is a lot of fun. Something I want to do more of is kind of like APOC Light, which I did once in Windsor, where it's teams of like three to five players, but each player is only bringing 2,000 points. Yeah. So it's like a, a lot of, it's a big team game essentially on a bigger table, but yeah. it, it's still quite fun. Mm-hmm. So that's, I might end the campaign with that being the final battle that decides it. Yeah. Because it's, each individual phase in the Invicta campaign gives bonuses to that side in the form of a stratagem. But it's, it's not, each phase isn't deciding the campaign. It's just giving more and more bonuses. Yeah, yeah. I think 8th Ed is perfect for this system. Because I've had before, like, okay, well, you won this phase, so your side gets an orbital strike. Okay, well, you forgot to use it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, great. That was for nothing. But now that it's a bonus stratagem, you have to pay CP for it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to use it. That would have helped, but I spent those CP on other things. On other things as so well. So I don't feel like I lost Yeah, anything. exactly, yeah. So, like, uh, I don't know. Have you checked out the stuff for this phase? Uh, just the mission. Yeah, so, like, the Chaos get, like, their heavy-duty drops so they can deep strike, like, vehicles and stuff. Oh, is that what it, I saw that they yeah. got heavy duty drop. I didn't see what it... I figured that's what it was. Yeah, it's, like, one use only, two CP, any non-Titanic or non-Lord Put a vehicle in deep strike. A vehicle or, like, an infantry unit that yeah. can't normally deep strike. Yeah. And they get transported on the Which battlefield. Which is huge. It's, it's a huge Yeah, it's thing. very powerful, mm-hmm. but I don't... I don't know. You can only do it with one unit. I don't think it's, like, other armies have that ability. It's, yeah, no. Uh, I know drop pods in this edition aren't very good they're they're overcosted. yeah 
However, yeah. like I've added one into my Inquisition list yeah. because I was like, well, I got a unit of Death Watch and this Inquisitor that goes with them. Mm-hmm. And it'd be kind of cool to be able to put them wherever I want to on the table. Yeah. Because the list doesn't have a lot of deep strike. Yeah. Right. It's like, cool, I'll pay the points to put them in that drop pod mm-hmm. and then they go anywhere on the table. Drop pod can hold an objective if it wants, right? Yep. Put them where I need them to be that turn. Yeah. And I mean, drop pod, the problem is it's a, such a large footprint for the drop pod yeah. and the squad getting out. And being nine inches away from everything where draw pods used to be able to go yeah, anywhere. Yeah, but no one ever said that I was planning on being nine inches away from someone. Hmm? What do you mean? Like You assume that to deep strike means you're like alpha striking someone to assault them. That mm. might not be what I want to do. I, just, want to, I want to put it in a corner where there's an objective and some cover. I see. To so hang you, out there, right? That's not in my deployment zone. Yeah, so you're not, it's almost like a... Delayed deployment. Yeah, yeah, which is how you should think of Deep Strike. Don't think of it as, I'm in your face, here's my dick, right? <laughs> like, that, that's how I play my Stormguard, and I like it that I know, way. I know. <laughs> just whip it out, man. That's Whipping it. out that chainsword and just getting paint all over people. Moving on. Um, <laughs> so, campaign game. Yeah, so the APOC was the precursor to the campaign. Yeah. You got some campaign games in the yeah. first phase. So I'm playing Black Legion. It's uh, Chaos or Imperium for the campaign. I played Chris. And the first phase was... Planet Strike mission. So any Planet Strike mission in the chapter proof book would count for bonus points, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, like, victory is three points. And if you played a the phases special mission, each player got two points. So, like, a victory and, you know, it's yeah. worth more. But um, So, yeah, everyone played Planet Strike for the first phase. No one bothered doing, like, a Maelstrom or something. Now, okay, I'm going to interject here. Mm-hmm. Did you get feedback on people? Because our last episode, we was there our last episode or the one before that where we talked about Planet Strike? Um, I think it was the last one. Did people give you any feedback? Because I'm sure a lot of people d- hadn't played Planet Strike yet. Um, I, I haven't really talked to because I was away one of the weekends. Yeah, people seem to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think. Like people kind of I, I haven't it, heard any so. negative things, so I just yeah. wanted to know if anyone had talked to you personally about it. And like when I was playing Chris, for example, I told him, it's like, well, as the defender, it's really important that you put your units in buildings. You gave him the advantage. You should have just crushed them, man. No, that's not how I roll. <laughs> um, so he had almost everything. He had an infantry heavy list, he had like all infantry and two flyers. Yeah. All his infantry started in bastions, and I had quite a few um, strikes, firestorm mm-hmm. attacks. They did, excuse me, they took a lot of wounds off bastions, but they didn't kill one. Mm-hmm. And then I did the laser burn, which is so awesome. Yeah. How could you not? Exactly. Did nothing. <laughs> it just, like, burned behind the bastions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, so we were playing, I don't remember what it's called, but it's, like, where you have a beachhead, so you, the attacker has to deploy units on the field at oh, least okay. one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I deployed, like, my Dreadnought and uh, Mollerfiend right forward, and he ended up target jamming one of the dice into them. (laughs) So they actually took wounds from my Firestorm attack. Because it doesn't say enemy models. It just says models. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty epic. (laughs) Epic fail, but yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, and our Warlords got in a duel, and mine ended up winning. Which was super cool. His warlord is so cool. It's like his shadow captain, Bronwyn Primaris style. Oh, sweet! So she's got like a big, um, like basket hilt sword and like a sniper rifle and like a camo cape. And oh, sweet! It's really cool. 
Um, and it's a beautiful looking army too. Oh yeah, this was more like a Raptors force, so it wasn't enti- it wasn't finished like his uh, that other one, Raven Guard. So, but yeah. Anyways, I kind of came down hard on one flank, and just had tons of trouble killing those bastions. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got piecemealed, and like my other stuff got destroyed. My Leviathan walked on and didn't really do enough damage. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he ended up tabling me, but it was super fun game. Um, second game was against Jeff's uh, Imperium Soup. So mm-hmm. Admech and Gar or Creek to be specific, and a little bit of Death Watch. And he kind of made a mistake because he d- we decided ahead of time like this table edge is my landing zone, so stuff that's not deep striking like all my dreadnoughts and vehicles and whatnot. Yeah, they're coming on from this edge, and I when they come on, they don't need to be nine inches away. Yeah. Because otherwise, it be six inches from the board edge, right? Yeah, anywhere within six inches. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, you could just put like the defender could put a line of crew on that board edge, yeah. and just nothing can come in. Mm-hmm. So, I, when we're doing this, I'm like, er, he'd finish setting up, like, oh yeah, I forgot that was your board edge. I'm like, well, do you want to redeploy stuff? He's like, no, no, it's fine. Then we came, then I was deploying stuff. It's like, oh, isn't it enough to be nine inches away? I'm like, well, no. Yeah. So, and I kept asking, like, do you want to move? So he's like, no, no, it's fine. So he was kind of off. On a on a bad leg to begin the game with, yeah. And we were playing on the city table, GW. So we did, he didn't have any bastions or anything like that. But what we said is that if an if an infantry unit goes to ground and it's wholly within inside a building, they don't take any mortal wounds or only one mortal wound from the strike because it's like they're going yeah. into the basement. Mm-hmm. So I still got like a couple of strikes here and there for damage, but mm-hmm. because he didn't have any buildings, I didn't get too many. And then my laser burn didn't do very much because you have to do the laser burn. But <laughs> I did kill one of his thud guns, though, in right Firestorm. And that's the second time I've killed a thud gun in, like, a preliminary bombardment against <laughs> Jeff. So, uh, and we were doing, it's like, Forlorn Hope or Desperate Hope where you nominate a model as your banner bearer. And that has to hold an object. That model has to hold an objective for two turns. Oh, okay. And there's only three objectives. And that's one of the new ones? Yeah. Right it was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. uh, one of my actual icon bearers was the banner bearer. Sweet. And uh, he came on third turn and planted an objective right away. And um, Jeff had deployed the three objectives kind of in this cl- same cluster of buildings. So mm-hmm. they're all kind of within 24 inches of each other. And yeah. I managed to clear that out and then drop down like my lord, my the Chaos Space Marine Squad with the banner, Plague Marines. Just hold that objective. Just area. hold that building hard. Yeah. It was pretty bloody. Uh, I was using Corn Berserkers for the first time, and they didn't really do much. They kind of just chewed up some guardsmen, and that was it. Yeah, it was he just kind of like outplayed me at that edge of that on that side of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, really fun games. Always fun against Jeff. Always and fun. I, yeah. Jeff's like one of my favorite people to play against. Yeah, hands down. And we were playing a bigger game, so twenty five hundred points oh, right too. On. Sweet. So my mine against Chris was two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it. it Despite it being a narrative campaign and using narrative rules, we I decided that you can use points or power level. It's at the player's discretion um, as part of the campaign. Cause some people just really like points. Some people really like power level. And some people abuse power level. <laughs> yes, Talnar. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing about Tau is those the battle suits just really abuse the the power yeah, level, like the city fight game where you had five hundred more points. Than yeah. you did. <laughs> Anyways, I had a codex, so it kind of balances out a bit. Sorry, off topic. We'll get to that in the next segment. 
Anyway, so yeah, I managed to hold the objective for two turns and uh, won against Jeff. That that was a long game. That took like five hours. Oh wow! Like people came coming up. Oh, what turn are you on? We want to use this table next. Like we're at the bottom of one. <laughs> yeah, Just holding that table all day long. Yeah, pretty much. Well, that's good though. So phase one is done. On yeah. to phase two. Yeah, it's all Maelstrom, uh, the new Maelstrom missions. I'm most of the campaigns out of the chapter brute book. Right on. And so you can play a Maelstrom War mission, new Maelstrom War mission. Use the uh, Empiric Storm rules that are now have now been updated from Gathering Storm, or both. Right, on. and that counts as a special mission. Hmm. So, I don't know if that's good or bad for Grey Knights, but there's a lot of demons and a lot of psychers in the both sides. So. It seems like right now nothing is good for Grey Knights. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> so, uh, phase one, Chaos wins. Yeah, Chaos won twenty eight to twenty four, and I believe that uh, probably by the time the next episode comes out, we'll be able to talk about phase two and three. Absolutely. It's two-week phases, so yeah. it'll be pretty close to the end, if not like in the final phase, I would imagine. So I'd say stay tuned for your campaign updates, folks. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. All right, folks. Welcome to The Briefing. This is our uh, new segment. Well, newish. New to the to this format. Yeah, it's new with this format. New ish is good. Yeah. yeah. So each episode, we're going to try and cover a different narrative mission, mm-hmm. um, whether it's in the big rule book or in chapter approved. Yeah. Uh, we've covered Planet Strike. Tonight, we're going to cover City Fight yeah. or Cities of Death, as they call it. Yeah. I remember the good old City Fight days. Yeah. I still have that book. It's, oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. City Fight was always fun. Um, so, even with chapter approved, like uh, Cities of Death wasn't a chapter approved. Like, they didn't give any bonus missions to it at all. No, but I, uh, some of the rules in there for like the new terrain, yeah, that they put out the sector mechanic mechanicus terrain. I feel like you could take those stratums and use them in City Fight. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But I mean, mission wise, like no. Planet Strike got a bunch of missions, right? Yeah. Um, Stronghold so, Assault. Did yeah. Too. So there yeah. were no missions added in uh, chapter approved. So it's just the one mission that's in the big rule book. Um, but I, I feel like you could take the war zone rules that are presented for city fight and use them for like eternal war missions and yeah, for stuff, sure. Like with the height advantage and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really like some of the new missions that they're bringing out with chapter approved. Yeah. Like they're really changing it up, mixing it up, making but, them more interesting. Right. Yeah. And like the planet strike mission, some of the new ones were really fun. So, so, you want to give a quick summary of what City Fight is? Uh, City Fight is my favorite way to play Warhammer 40K. Really? Right except on. Except maybe Apocalypse. Okay. But yeah, City Fight's awesome. My home table is City, and it's quite not quite dense enough to really take advantage of the rules that we're going to cover, but mm-hmm. I've always liked it. Like when City Fight came out in 3rd edition, I went out and built a bunch of like shitty City ruins yeah, and I cardboard. Yeah. Uh, that's my favorite table, GW, that gets to play on and stuff, and I think... I really like the rules as we're going to go over them. I think they're really thematic and really bring that idea of, I don't know, urban warfare to life. So, yeah, it's uh, basically you want to think of a ruined hive city with lots of, like, tall gantries and blown-out skyscrapers where, you know, enemy could be lurking around the corner and 
the terrain really comes into effect more so than just plus one to your cover save. Like mm-hmm. that, that's what Cities of Death is. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's get into it. It's got, obviously, with uh, most of these narrative missions, a few special rules. Yeah. So uh, the first special rule is City Ruins. And, I mean, this is basic to, to ruins in general. But unless they can fly, vehicles, monsters, bikes, and such can only end on the ground floor of ruins. Infantry are able to scale up. Yeah. So you, this is a mission that really helps an infantry heavy list. Absolutely. Because uh, yeah. you're gaining that cover from uh, from being infantry. Yeah. But also, uh, if you're there's another real height advantage where if you are, is it three inches? Yeah. At if, least three. If you're at least three inches, which is normally one level. Yeah. Give or uh, take. Yeah. Yeah. If you're at least three inches above the mall that you're firing at, they don't get any cover. Yeah. Which is great because, you know, especially with all that cover on the table, you really get, you don't have to just worry about distance horizontally. Mm-hmm. You start worrying about distance vertically as yeah. well if you want to be taking advantage of all that cover yeah. that's on the table. It, it really gives a third dimension to the game. That's really cool. Uh, the other thing about City Ruins is infantry can dig in. So if they don't uh, if they don't move in their movement phase until they're until they move, they get plus two to their saving throw instead of the plus one. Yeah, this is one I actually forgot about in our game, because playing Tau, I had a little bit of infantry that I don't think was moving in the ruins. Yeah, and I never added plus two to their save. I just added the plus one. Yeah, we might have forgotten to do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we already talked about height advantage and how important that is because there's cover everywhere. Streets and roads. This applies to models without the fly keyword. If a unit starts and end, if a unit spends its entire movement phase on a street or road, they can move an extra two inches or four inches if they advance. I know you like this one. I do like this one. Why do you like it? Because I play Black Legion, who advance and shoot rapid fire weapons, and bikes who move like twenty four inches a turn if they stay on a road and can <laughs> fire their bolters. Uh, yeah, it definitely. Um makes for like really fast moving games yeah Uh, especially if you want to get across the streets and stuff like that right yeah um and i mean this can help offset uh a battlefield that's covered in obstacles mm -hmm. so we're normally you know you got to go around all these different buildings and ruins well if you stay on the street you're going to be moving that much faster yeah i i didn't take advantage of this but i also was playing tau an army where most of my Stuff. units ha- if they weren't just hunkering down in a building yeah. they had fly so it didn't really matter yeah and i was playing a jump pack heavy blood angels list so same sort of thing yeah uh and then the last special rule is fire in the hole so you get to re-roll all failed wound rolls made when a model throws a grenade at a unit in ruins furthermore if the if that grenade has like a random uh, amount of hits like d6 you automatically always make the maximum yeah that's great. It's so cool. That's just like um, Zone Mortalis, right? Um, Doesn't that have the same? Well, rules? I don't know if Zone Mortalis is updated to eight, no. but it had similar bonuses to grenades. Yeah, where like all template weapons had shred and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. which was the exact same thing. Shred was reroll to wound, right? Yeah. yeah, and it would like a template wouldn't jump over walls in Zone Mortalis. So if you're in a narrow hallway crowded with models, mm-hmm. you're gonna hit them. Yeah. So I, I love that rule. doesn't always come into effect, but, like, it's so thematic, yeah. so cool. So those are the special rules for the mission. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, it really 
gets that city fight feel, especially the grenade one. Like if yeah. you throw a grenade into a building with a bunch of guys, it's just going to hit everybody in yeah. there and do so much damage. And they expanded rules for ruins and height advantage too. Like mm-hmm. all, all four of those I think are really kick-ass. And also like you can apply, take those and apply them to an eternal war or a maelstrom. Yeah, game. like I know I had a unit of railgun uh, pathfinders yeah. that I just put as high as I could. Yeah. Because like, it's a long-range weapon and like I think it's minus four. I don't know. Uh, rend with just like, just make sure nobody gets cover and you're not giving anything a save. Except like a six up on a land raid. Sure. Yeah. Terminators. Yeah. So there's four unique stratagems. Uh, we didn't bust out the chapter approved, so we'll just stick to the ones in the core rule book. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one is sewer rats. For two CP, you can take an infantry model and deep strike them into through the sewers. So you set them up per normal deep strike nine inches away, but they have to be set up on street level. So they can't be set up at like in the top of a room because they're coming out of the sewers. Mm-hmm. That's, again, I think a pretty thematic thing. Yeah, this is another one where we were talking about before with like a drop pod or um, with the stratagem for the campaign. Yeah. Where just the ability to put something in deep strike that didn't have the didn't have that ability before. Yeah. It changes the game completely for your army. Yeah. Um, two CP, reasonable, right? I, I would, I'd really like this rule. If um, or you could kind of adjust this even depending on your table. Say that the unit has to be deployed within like three inches of a sewer grate. Yeah, not all table. city tables have like a sewer grate. But I know, but if you do, if you do, you should make it like that. Like 100%. the the one at um, the one that Games Workshop has the sector imperial. It has the little sewer, sewer grates on it. Yeah. yeah, mine has sewer grates, which is the secret weapon miniature one. Mm-hmm. So a lot of city tables will have them. Yeah. Uh, the next stratagem is Medikai facility. Yep. It's one CP. And the stratagem is used after both sides have deployed, but before the first battle round begins. Nominate a single city ruin to house the Medikai facility. Roll a dice each time a model loses a wound while they're occupying that city ruin. On a six, that model has been healed by the Medikai equipment and does not lose that wound. It's good. Six plus, feel no pain. Yeah. I think I've used this in... I've played a... F- three or four city fight games and yeah. use this in at least two of them. Mm-hmm. It's good. Not game breaking. For, for one CP, it's it's worth it. Yeah. Why not? If you're going to be hunkering down, especially when we get into the mission where certain buildings are going to be objective buildings, yeah. if you're making that your home base, you might as well spend the one CP if to you're, give your guys, if you don't have an ability like that already. Yeah. If you're putting multiple units in the same ruin and you've got like 20 to 30 guys, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next one is booby traps. This one I'm a big fan of too. Uh, no, sorry. You use the stratagem after both sides have deployed, but before the first bow round, you secretly nominate a single city ruin to house the booby traps and write this down. This cannot be a city ruin that is currently occupied by any models. First time in any model. Can't be current. Yeah, sorry. It can't be occupied by any models. Not so yours or your enemies. Yep. First time any model, including your own or the enemies, moves into the city ruin, they trigger the booby trap and suffer D3 mortal wounds or D6 if they were advancing. Yeah. So I'm not always a fan of these stratagems or just parts of a game where it's like write something down and then sure. keep it hidden. Uh, I feel like a cool way to do this one would be to have like a marker, even if it's a ripped piece of paper or something like that, and have your opponent... If you're able to, depending on what type of ruin you're using, if it has a solid base or not, have your opponent like turn their back if you're going to place it. 
Oh, so that when they're going to step into the building, there's a way to reveal whether or not that building was booby-trapped. I just feel like the whole, like, uh, I opened my paper and this is what I wrote down before. I don't know. I don't like it as much. Uh, yeah. But I, I really like this one because it can... It, it's You don't get this a lot in 40K where there's an element of bluffing. Yeah. And you say, like, oh, are you sure you're going to go in it? That one might be booby-trapped. Now, the thing that I've noticed by playing this mission is you tend to... Like, you know what buildings aren't occupied at the start of the game. Yeah. And it's usually not... There's usually not a lot of buildings that aren't occupied. You want to be putting your guys in buildings. Yeah. So it's a hard one to to use because there's only going to be maybe three, four buildings that aren't occupied. Mm-hmm. And do any of those even have objectives? The buildings that people are going to be going for? Um, and even then, like, someone's going to, like... If you're laying down that booby trap and there's a building with an objective in it, there's a good chance that that's the one that you booby trapped. Yeah, but then you can't go in it first. Okay. okay. Um, I'm luring you in. So I remember distinctly the first time I played City Fight in 8th against Jeff. Mm-hmm. I used the stratagem, and he kept units out of ruins specifically because he didn't want to go in there. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, it's only going to be a, few, a small handful of ruins that are potential targets. Yeah. But those are going to be the ones in no man's land where, you know, you want to advance your infantry from cover to cover. And if you're worried about them taking mortal wounds, yeah, like they, you're going to be a little apprehensive about putting those buildings in there. And I don't know if we mentioned it. Uh, it's only one CP. Yeah. And when you're playing narrative, also it's, it's done before the game starts. So you're allowed to use this one multiple times, even in match play. Yeah. For one CP, if you got a fair amount of CP you can technically booby trap every building that's not occupied. That's true. And just make it cool, dude. You want to use those buildings? Go for it. Yeah. Right. Um, Or all but one or something. Yeah. So the, uh, the last stratagem is death in the streets and it's one CP. And this stratagem can be used when a unit with a height advantage, shoots an enemy unit that is entirely on street level and not in cover. You can reroll all failed hit and wounds when resolving shots at an enemy. Wow. One CP. Yeah. We were talking about how important height advantage is in this game. That's why. Yeah. You take a strong shooting unit, you put them as high as possible, and you just hope your enemy, like, and you use booby traps, like stack your stratagems, use booby traps as well. Okay, you want to go into the buildings, you're going to take mortal wounds. You want to use the streets, I'm going to shoot at you, re-rolling the hit, re-rolling to wound with this awesome shooting unit. Yeah. Absolutely. And both of those are just one CP. Yeah. Um, just amazing. <laughs> yeah. So for small amounts of CP, you can really control the f- ebb and flow of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think like that one page of rules is so has so much flavor and adds so much to a game. Yeah. It's strange in that it's only one page. Yeah. Because you would think, oh, one page is not a lot going on there. Yeah. No. Those few rules just yeah make it really feel like it's a real gritty things are dying i mean hey it's what is it cities of death right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) so uh okay let's get into the the actual the one city fight mission that they give us so fire sweep um pretty straightforward do you mind if i just do a quick overview go for it (laughs) so six objectives uh you mark instead of having an objective marker you mark buildings and to control the objective, you have to have the most models in that building at the end of the game. Uh, 
when I've played this, I say that OPSEC units, so like troop units, trump non-troop units. So it's the most troop models, or if there's no troop models, then the most models, yeah. essentially. The deployment is uh, corners. And according to the mission, you can deploy right up to the corner, so you don't need to be a certain distance from the center or a certain distance from enemy models. Again, when I've played this, I, we've like amended it, so you have to be nine inches from the center, yeah. giving you an 18-inch bubble from the enemy. Um, and that's more or less it. Yeah. I, I haven't played it where you don't use the bubble. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how it plays like not using the bubble. Yeah. Play it just how the mission tells you you're allowed to deploy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that gives an advantage to like assaulting armies. Yeah. But, but if you're playing a fully shooting army and you're willing to go that far forward, that's... Or you just... I mean, there's nothing stopping the, the Tau player, for example, to deploying really far back. Yeah. Or putting a lot of units in deep strike or yeah. something. Uh, I've played um, the... What's it called? Open War mission where you started three no more than three inches from the enemy yeah excuse me and you that sounds broken but it it was fine Mm -hmm. it was bloody (laughs) it was real bloody especially because every model had plus one attack but it was (laughs) i love that deck but it, it it didn't feel unbalanced one way or the other so yeah i i i'd be down to play it without the bubble but i mean this is narrative play. It's more friendly. You just discuss with your opponent how you want to do it. So because this is a narrative mission, they do have like a power level rule here. Right. And yeah. that, they don't really tell you like what level you should play it at. So right. you're just supposed to kind of like bring models. And so long as it's Battle mm-hmm. Forge, it's okay. Yeah. And then they adjust um, the difference in power level by giving you extra CP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it's good. I mean, I feel like it's, what is it? It's If you're 10 to 19 of an underdog, you get one CP. If it's 20 to 29, you get two CP. So I guess it's every 10. You get an extra CP. You get CP. an extra CP. Uh, yeah, I guess it's good. Yeah, but I feel like some armies can bring a battalion at 10 CP. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or at a 10 power level. Yeah. Um, and especially with a lot of these like, really low-costing um Stratagems. Yeah, it can definitely it, be a difference. I mean, I always agree on like setting a power level before yeah. you come to the table, not just being like, hey, what did you bring today? Yeah, especially considering how quickly you can make a power level list. Like if you're in a store and you find a random opponent, it's like, okay, let's play power level, like 100 power level, go. Yeah. Like you make a list very quickly. So uh, another thing I like about this game, and this kind of... Uh, you have to know what mission you're playing before because it kind of comes into the list building aspect mm-hmm. of playing the game. For sure. Is that there's no seizing. It straight up tells you if you finish deploying first, you go first. You get oh, to pick if you go first or second. Right? Yeah. So there's no, well, okay, well, I brought a lot of guys, but okay, you're going to get plus one and I'm still going to roll. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. even if I lose, I'm still going to try and seize. Like one knock that I kind of have against eighth edition right now is this whole like especially like the match play rules is this whole i can just bring as many models as i want like there's no strategy to i mean obviously there's a strategy to list building but not to like getting your deployments down yeah first because it gives you a plus one to that role which you can still lose 
And then even if you do win that role, your opponent still gets the chance to seize. It, yeah, it seems like a lot. Yeah, it's, you're giving your opponent so many uh They get chances. a lot of opportunity to steal the first turn. If you're playing a very small lead army with not a lot of drops, yeah. it, I feel like it really punishes you. Uh, but here, yeah. You finish setting up first, you go first. Oh. I, I, really, I, yeah. I would really like to try um, playing it like if you, like for a match play game, you finish setting up first, you go first, and then the opponent seizes on a five. Hmm. So a one in three chance of. Yeah. I mean, and obviously you know that there's a good chance that they will go, that, or one in three chance they will seize on you. Yeah. You plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I like better. the idea of having less models going first because it fits the city fight rule of almost you set the ambush. Oh, that's you a good were point. Able, yeah. you had less guys that you were able to dig in deep first and yeah. get your guys bunkered down. Um, that's true. Yeah, teach their own. It's a very simple mission in that it's just whoever holds the most objectives. There's no like slay the warlord or first blood or anything like that. It's yeah. just hold these buildings, but it, start I, killing stuff. Yeah, but again, you could take that one page of special rules and stratagems and apply it to eternal war missions yeah. or males from yeah war definitely missions. there's no reason why you can't take these rules and apply them to other missions right yeah so so we got a few games of city fight in uh you want to talk about your games before we talk about our ongoing campaign game sure um i've played chris and city fight with my black legion and that really showed the highlight of that game for me in terms of the city fight rules was the power of the road. Mm-hmm. Just running along that road. Like it makes a foot slogging Black Legion list super mobile. Mm-hmm. And then throw bikes around. Like they're crossing the board in a turn or two. Yeah, it's crazy. Like just advancing. Okay, that's 14 inches plus six inch advance plus four inches for being on the road. Mm-hmm. Boom. And they can still shoot like rapid fire assault weapons. See, now did he use his height advantage against you? Yeah. that Well, excuse me it came into play in the effect that he had a stern guard squad up high in the tallest ruin so i knew i wasn't getting cover so i just stuck to the road so he kind of it was less of a mechanical benefit and more of like controlling i'm not talking about getting the no cover I'm talking about the fact that if you were staying on the streets, he can spend one CP to re-roll to hit and wound against yeah, you. Yeah, I, I don't think he remembered to do yeah, that. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of the downside to just staying in the streets and using that advantage is you're probably going to get gunned down pretty yeah, fast, Yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. Because that's the thing. Even if you, if they have a height advantage on you and you are in a ruin, at least they can't re-roll the, to hit and wound. Yeah, yeah, use the death in the streets strategy. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, my other game was against Jeff. This was quite a while ago, so I don't remember the details, but, um, again, this was like, I used the booby traps. Yeah. I don't think, I used the Medicaid facility against Chris, didn't really come up Mm -hmm. that much. Uh, the booby traps though, that were fun. I remember the rust stalkers for Jeff, like they were staying out of buildings specifically to avoid the booby traps. And Mm -hmm. I think he lost like a couple of Skitari when they finally entered a building, so... Right on. Yeah. Um, again, it's one of my favorite game types. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting, like, the not where a building 
is the objective. That's a huge footprint that yeah. you have to control. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and it's easy to get, like, multiple units in a building, even if they're not in close combat. Uh, yeah, so we ended up playing a game. Yeah. Uh, it was the second game out of our... Three-game campaign. Three-game campaign, Tau yeah. versus... Uh, Stormguard, yeah. Stormguard, and uh, the first game that we played was a Planet Strike mission. Yeah, that's right. So. And uh, Stormguard ended up winning. Yeah. And the way that we had set up the table was a breakthrough of a... Like, I had just broken through a city wall, mm-hmm. like a hive city wall, and now yeah. we're fighting inside of the city in yeah. a city fight. Um, I ended up bringing a... I wanted to try some new stuff this mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I brought... Um, Remora drones. Oh, that's right. Which are yeah. cool. I had, yeah. I had just built those. Oh, I, was, I, had, I was boring a buddies. And after we played that game, I built up mine. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that you had some. Yeah. And uh, they did a little bit of damage. Not too, too much. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they, they annoy people. Because they're only three wounds each. And I think they're only toughness five. But they're hard to hit. And they put out 16 shots altogether um, for two yeah, models. That's... And they're fast. Uh and I brought a storm surge because I wanted to see how that was going to play, and uh, I was pretty impressed. I mean, it started off. It's always hard playing Tau, especially right now against a unit that's just in your face very mm-hmm. fast. Yeah, because uh, the synergy is not there. There's no stratagems to really use. Um, but I did end up using my height advantage against you pretty well. I felt I got to use that uh, death in the streets a few times. Yeah, because you were. Foot slogging it across the open roads, jump a lot pack, of the, jump, jump it. packing it across the roads a few times. Which I also don't get the bonus move then. Yeah, which isn't yeah because you have fly. Yeah, um, and I did a pretty good because I knew you had terminators and deep strike and stuff. I did a pretty good job of because I had two devil fish. Yeah, that I was just kind of blocking that storm surge. I knew you were going to want to try and drop in, so I just kept making sure that yeah. I was keeping that bubble that you couldn't deep strike in and get that storm. You would have to go for a devil fish first, or something yeah. Like so that. like when my lightning claw terminators and librarian did come in, yeah. So yeah, they mulched through devil fish and some fire warriors, but they never got close to the storm surge and then got gunned down. Yeah, well, they got through some fire warriors, but the fire war it wasn't it wasn't fire warriors; it were breachers. Right, and it was the first time I wanted to try using breachers, and that was the perfect test for them was against terminators, and ten breachers, they they did, did some work. damage. Yeah. They were well, they were within the five inches too, right? So I believe they're minus two, their strength six minus two at that point oh, or Jesus. something like that. Um, so they ended up doing some pretty good damage. And uh, just like I had you coming down. At first, I didn't have line of sight of you. But you s- realized that you needed to start charging kind of my fire base. Yeah. And you came down a street at me. And I was able to yeah, to pick you off as you were coming down. It was it was like I did I did some damage when I got into combat. But it was never quite fast enough or never quite decisive enough. Yeah. Well, it was also I had like a front line that was kind of doing their thing. Yeah, that you have to deal with before you would come in at the storm surge, and you took yeah. out all that frontline stuff, but it just wasn't enough to. By that time, I had done enough damage that the storm yeah. surge could pick off what you. That's off. what I mean. I didn't do it fast enough. I yeah. didn't kill those fast enough to get to the chewy center. Yeah, and I did have a lot more models in that game than what I normally run lately yeah. with my Tau. Um, we were doing what 125 power level. I think so. Yeah, or 100. No, I think it was 125. Yeah. Or maybe even 130. No, anyways, what doesn't matter? Around there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a good game. I At the end, I got a little aggressive. I needed to... We were running out of time, but yeah. I needed to 
get this win to make the campaign even at one and one. Right. So I was really making sure that I was taking out the units I needed to take out to get where I needed to get to hold the... Because you still had two objectives in your zone, I'm pretty sure. So I needed to make sure... And there was a chance that you might have gotten a third. So I needed to yeah. make sure that I got that four. Because I had like scouts hanging back. And yeah, plus I, I had first turn too. Yeah. So I needed to make sure that if we were going to finish early and I got a turn off, I needed to make sure that there was no chance of if we were going to play your turn... Of you being able, like, oh, well, if we finish this turn, I would have been able to do this and this and this. Yeah. I need to make sure that there was no chance. You would look at the table and be like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get that fourth yeah. objective back to tie up the game. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, we would have just called it a tie. Yeah. But uh, it was fun. Yeah. Definitely back and forth. It definitely started off being Absolutely. like, I'm not going to do anything at all to, oh, I'm doing some heavy damage. Because I took a heavy fusion list. And I remember right, yeah. you saying at one point, God, how much fusion do you have in your army? <laughs> all, uh, all of it. Yeah, well, I've tried that out, and now I'm trying out the Cyclic Ion Blaster stuff instead of the so, instead of as much fusion, right? Trying to go a bit more plasma as opposed to fusion. So which do you prefer, having played both now? Uh, I think I prefer the plasma. It's more shots. Yeah. Right now, 8th edition is an addition of dice. Make your opponent roll as many dice as you can. I'd rather have you roll six dice at minus two uh, doing then, D3 damage than three dice at minus four D6 damage, yeah. right? Because I can take out more models. There's more of a chance you're going to fail. I mean, minus four, you're probably not going to fail. But with involve saves and stuff like that, there's so many saves that negate rend. Yeah. Like even, oh, even if minus four, oh, I have an invulnerable save and I have a feel no pain save. Yeah. Especially you have a ban you have, you had a banner oh, yeah. that gave everybody that, right? Like, yeah. uh, how am I going to break that? He's a character. I can't take him out, right? Well, you need you need snipers in this edition. I say yes and no. I feel like snipers almost a waste of points for yeah, it depends on the well, army you're facing. Yeah, I mean, some snipers are really really good. But like I was I was thinking about putting some ratlings into my Inquisition list to get that sniper yeah. aspect to Those it. Those are cheap, too. Yeah, but I'm like, uh, like five Rattlings. What am I going to do with five sniper rifles? No, you need 10 or 15. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right? If you're going to do it, you got to go big or go home with it. But yeah. at, at what point are you committing too much of your army to a sniper unit when you should be worrying about not what your army is going to do, what's my army going to yeah. do? Yeah, but then you get... Um, I mean, it's not so much now, but before they uh, nerfed commissars. Yeah. Like you needed snipers to yeah, take out the to commissar. take out commissars. Yeah. Yeah. And if you went against guard without them, you're just gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Now I just focus on taking out all the troops in front, and then we'll get to the the yeah, chewy true. center yeah. afterwards. Right? And I, I go back and forth between running snipers and with my storm guard. Yeah. And I I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. And some armies don't have them. Like my Black Legion don't have a way of dealing with characters. Well, Tau have snipers, but yeah. they're sniper drones, and they're pretty shit. Right. Right. It's, I don't, it's yeah. not worth taking for them. Although, I, I don't know, I kind of wish the rail rifles were snipers, but that'd be a really powerful sniper rifle. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are they called? The uh, Skitari Special Weapon sniper rifle guys. oh okay i don't know what the name is but i know what you're talking they're about. like 60 inch range strength 7 d3 damage can yeah. cause mortal wounds like they're really good mm -hmm. i think you can take quite a few of them and even a small squad oh, so yeah but i mean that's specifically for imperium right mm -hmm. like chaos as far as i know don't have any snipers right on 
getting so. a little off topic here on sniping. Yeah, right. But back to City Fight. Yeah. Um, takeaways. If you were to give advice to someone who's going to play their first City Fight mission, what would it be? Um, ooh, it's a tough one. Think about the mission. Think about the terrain. Like, armor doesn't always do well. Like, it can't really take advantage of the cover in the same way infantry can. Well, it can because in this, uh, I don't think we mentioned it, but vehicles get cover if they're half covered by the by the building itself. No, but that I understand, but they can't really do height advantage. They don't get height advantage, yeah. They don't get the plus two Definitely, as the infantry yeah. do. So I hear what you're saying, yeah. Think about that. Think about um, large scoring units to take objectives. To hold the whole buildings. Yeah. Um, like a large unit not moving, getting plus two to their cover save, like yeah. bunkering down in a building. You put a 20-man unit in there, Yeah, they're going to have a hard time taking you out unless they rush that building and try to really take yeah. it from you. Right? Or a 20-man assault squad to like, or like a Storm Boys squad or something for orcs to yeah. go in and clear out a building. Mm-hmm. So, grenades use your grenades yeah i i mean i'm very good about remembering grenades like during overwatch i almost always throw one if it's in range yeah. stuff like that but frag grenades are really good in city fight yeah like six six shots and then it's only strength three but re-rolling the wounds mm-hmm. and it's gonna be usually against fives on fives so that's pretty good if i was to give one piece of advice it's aside from knowing the stratagems yeah. that you can use it's remember that the game this game type is vertical as much as it is horizontal and yeah, that's why i absolutely. said earlier it's nice that the buildings themselves are objectives but don't just put your unit in the building and assume that well i'm in the building now let's hold it how high can i get up in the building if you need to get into the building and stand still because you're going to take a bombardment of shots and you need that plus two to your cover save that's fine don't move but if you have the opportunity to move up higher, you need to move up as high as you can. Not mm-hmm. only to gain advantage on your opponent, but to make yeah. sure your opponent doesn't gain advantage on you. Yeah. You're not going to get plus two to your cover save if your opponent's higher than you and he doesn't give you a cover save at all. Yeah. Right? So remember, vertical, not just horizontal. Also, stuff that flies comes really good. Yeah. Like being able to just hop over buildings or land in the top, even mm-hmm. if you're not a infantry. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the road advantage is nice, but fly is still better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's it for City Fight. Yeah. So do you want to know what the next game in the campaign is? I was just about to ask you, what yeah, is the next game in the campaign? I was looking it up. <laughs> I wasn't just ignoring you. <laughs> All right. So the next game, we just played the City Fight. If Tau win the City Fight, you are attacking in a sabotage Oh, we're doing mission. the sabotage mission. Right yeah. on. So I guess that'll be the next mission that we cover. Yeah, that'll uh, close out the Lightning War campaign. That's it. Folks, you've been listening to The Briefing. Yeah, we'll be right back. Jason. Ian. Are you ready to go beyond the rim? Oh, I'm ready, baby. All right. Take me there. Bam, bam, bam. So tell me, what have non- 40k games have you been playing non 40k so um i haven't been playing as much video games as i normally do which is good because my hobbying has like gone way up that's impressive right um when you can do both that's the dream that's the dream right watching a lot more netflix and hobbying um but i've still been playing games just not as much Mm -hmm. i uh over the holidays 
uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands yeah. was on sale on the Xbox. That's why I play his Xbox. Um, on the Xbox mar- Marketplace. Mm-hmm. And when it first came out, I played the beta, and I was like, that's cool. I just don't know if like I'm willing to drop 80 bucks on this game that I don't really have right. that many people that I want to play with because my buddy wasn't really – he wasn't ready to buy it yet or anything yeah, like yeah. that, right? Um, so we held off on it, held off on it, and kind of forgot about it almost. And then saw that it was on sale for 30 bucks, and we were like, you know what? Even for 30 bucks, if I don't play it that much, that's the amount of money that I'm willing to – yeah. to drop on it bought it fucking love it yeah. it is so good it's so open world it feels like i have so much to do in this game like i've probably put maybe six or seven hours into it and i feel like i haven't even dented it yeah there's like 20 to 30 bosses i think and i've faced uh i haven't even faced the second one yet i'm working because you have to do all these missions to face yeah. the boss I'm just about to face the second boss. Yeah. And it's like, wow, if there's like 20 bosses, let's say, and I've played six, seven hours, that's a good amount of time for a game. Yeah, it's like over 100 hours. Great, right? And then now they've added in like multiplayer. It's not that I think I would do that, like versus. Oh, yeah, because it's cooperative. It's cooperative, right? Um, It has a very Grand Theft Auto feel to it in the sense that like you can drive around and, and you're in this active world. Right, and steal cars and yeah, exactly. kill people yeah. and you know, run people over and, and stuff. And then the cops chase after you if you cause too much havoc. And, and sex stuff. with prostitutes. Well, I don't so. think you can do that. I, I can't speak to it. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been really enjoying that. It's a good investment. If you like those Tom Clancy's, if you like The Division, I think you'd really like Ghost Recon. Which I loved The Division. Mm-hmm. It it's a, it's so like a, uh, if you thought The Division was like an open world, this makes it look like a closed linear game wow yeah uh how about you uh so i bought a bunch of games over christmas on the steam sale mm-hmm. one of them was slender the arrival <laughs> now, i have a bit of a history with this game oh as yes you, you well do. know can i can i tell the story yeah sure so uh i remember i got slender the arrival on xbox and we'd always have nights where we'd all hang out and eventually that it would get to the point later in the night we'd be like okay we have to either put on a horror movie or play some scary game. Oh, no, sorry, no. Not play some scary game. Make Ian play some scary game while we yeah. watch him play it. Uh-huh. Because he is notorious for just hating scary things. But being a total trooper and doing it for our entertainment. I'm not a dancing monkey. But... <laughs> play the horror game. Uh, so... I, I, for the record, I like the horror genre. Yeah. I just don't deal well with it <laughs> it's like spicy food i like spicy food but i can't always handle it <laughs> so he starts up the game and he's always really good with like just powering through it and being scared and like guys do i have to yeah you have to do it okay i'll do it so the game starts and you kind of like park your car and you walk down this pathway as it's kind of leading you into the story of why you're going to this house that you're going to it's like a dirt road in an autumn forest yeah um yeah. and it's like uh evening yeah right and as you walk down you know the music gets a little bit creepier by the time you get to the house it's getting dark yeah and the house the door is open right yeah. like it's clearly like nobody's home now even though there should be someone home at this house and he looks at the house and he goes to us uh guys do i have to go in <laughs> and he decides that he's not gonna play this one to, to be fair, I've played the original Slender game before. Mm-hmm. Like, the Arrival's not the first no, one. No, no, I know. The original one. one. Yeah, yeah. And I played the heck out of that. 
with friends in Windsor watching me play the heck out of him <laughs> screaming. So he didn't uh, he didn't get a chance to. I didn't go in the house. No, you didn't go in the house. You quit so after the first game two minutes. Like, yeah. So this game was like two bucks on Steam during the sale. So I'm like, you know what? I can beat it. It's just a game. I'm a, I'm a grown man. <laughs> you know, so uh, it was actually the night I was painting with Zach over Discord. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to play Slender. He's like, oh, God. All right. Hold on. Let me turn down my headphones because I know you're going to scream. <laughs> so basically I had Zach digitally holding my hand yeah. while I played it. <laughs> Went into the house, and the music and the, or the sound in this game yeah. was like so intense mm-hmm. and terrifying, and like I'm always ready to jump. Like I feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack. Yeah. Eventually, I get out of the you know go past the house, go into the back, and there's slender up on a hill being silhouetted, and he's just watching you. Like did, I don't know if you noticed when you're in the house, you look out the window at one point, and he's standing there in the backyard. I don't think I saw that, okay, but yeah, no, yeah. that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> There's like this music key at one point, and I guess if you're looking out the window at that point, you see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do a really good job of yeah. keeping you on your toes. So I'm I'm going through this valley, and I'll turn, and Slender will be up on a hill. But he's far away, and I just yeah. keep staring at him, and then the screen will kind of like glitch out, and then he'll be gone. Yeah. And whatever. And in the story, it's talking about this father whose son died, and he would see his son standing out in the yard, just mm-hmm. staring at the house, his young eight-year-old boy or whatever. And then it talks about how there was this fire and this man's house burned down. Mm-hmm. I, I was saying this to our friend Elton. He was, I thought it, or Elton or Greg, and they said, one of them was saying, like, no, that's not slender. But that's what I thought it was. That mm-hmm. the man, anyways, so you come upon this burning, burned-out uh, hall of a house. I'm like, okay, well, it's a video game. Got to go in there. Go in there. It's terrifying. Yeah. Finding little newspaper clippings or diary or whatever the fuck you. Yeah, it's the things you have to accumulate as yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Go upstairs. Explore the bedroom. Okay. I'm not dead yet. All right. I haven't shit myself. Go downstairs. Okay. Okay. I think we're okay. All right. Now go to the other wing of the house. Turn the corner. And about 10 feet from me, not a jump out scare. Yeah. I didn't jump or anything. But just come around the corner. And about 10 feet in front of me is this dead boy standing there with his back to me and i'm just like nope <laughs> turn off the game haven't played it since yeah <laughs> um the part of the game that got me i was good i was doing well went into the forest then you go into like a cave or something like that okay um or like an abandoned mine come out you end up going to this farmhouse and uh you have to go then you go to like this church that's on like the farmland area Ugh. and like there's this little boy chasing you or there's little creatures chasing you and stuff me, like that. Right. About it. You go into this like underground bunker that's yeah. on the property and you go in there and you know, it's like little skinny hallways. The lights are flickering yeah. and stuff. Right. And you go into this one little room. It doesn't have a door. It's just, you go into this room, you go to grab something. And when you turn back around to look at the door for the hallway, Something runs past the door, the doorway. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I haven't played the game since then. I can be in a cave. I can be in the forest. You put me in an underground bunker with something in there with me? Nope. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, too, you've, like, no weapons. Yeah. yeah. You, you can run, not very quickly. Your flashlight is you basically have, your only weapon. Yeah, and you have a flashlight. Yeah. That's terrifying. <laughs> it's great. I love like, it. Where, where's my Where's my shoddy, man? Yeah. Like you said, I'm a grown man. I can handle this. No, I can't. No. <laughs> uh, I love horror games, man. Uh, I've always, like, people wondered why I enjoy, like, the horror genre. And especially uh, when I worked in film, 
Yeah. Like I was really into making horror films and I, that, that's kind of what I wanted to get into. And people were like, that's kind of sadistic. I was like, no, no, no. You have to understand. Uh, maybe it is, but <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand that uh, when you're a filmmaker, it's all about like uh, conveying emotion or getting your viewer to evoke emotion. Right. Right. It's easy to make someone feel happiness. It's easy to make someone feel sad. I can show you a loved one dying. Mm-hmm. I can show you people in love being happy, right? It's hard to make you go home and be afraid to go into the basement. It's hard to make you go home and not want to turn the lights off. If you're able to burn that into somebody's mind, into somebody's, like, to put that fear into them, that's real filmmaking. It's hard to do that to people. It's not hard to do that to me. (laughs) Um, Oh, speaking about sadistic... Uh, this is a little side note to earlier. Uh, so a bunch of people have been putting up fluff for the campaign, mm-hmm. myself included. Did you read the piece I put up? I didn't read your. I read Matt's today. Okay. Read mine and tell me what you think. Because I, I wonder if I went too far. <laughs> I'm sure you like, did. Like too grimdark. <laughs> we'll see. No, yeah. I really... Actually, if I had time tonight after we record, I wanted to go through and read all of them. Because I'm really impressed that everybody started yeah. throwing like long narratives out there too. Yeah. Was there a word limit? No, I put a hundred word minimum, but that's yeah. kind of like, so someone doesn't put like two lines or something. Yeah. And I feel too, once you start writing like a hundred words, once you've gotten to a hundred words, you're almost like, it just, it takes you, you just go. And right? that's why I did a hundred because a hundred's not a lot. Yeah. It's like a small paragraph. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think mine was like six or 700. <laughs> so, uh, so aside from Slender, what else you got going on? Uh, so I've been GMing an Age of Rebellion campaign. Yes, you have. A Star Wars system called Operation Shadowpoint. Yeah, Operation Shatterpoint, mm-hmm. which is an obscure reference to a force power that Mace Windu uses once or twice in the Clone Wars. Um, I'm actually more curious to know what you think of it because you're playing in it. So uh, I am playing in it, not as much as everyone else. There are people that show up like to everyone. I think I've missed two out of the five yeah. that I think we've done. Um I told you what I thought originally of it, Mm -hmm. uh, which was I felt it was a little... You gave us this... You put us into this city where we were supposed to find our contact. Yeah. And we, like... The contact, like, right away, you... Like, he gets killed off and you... Yeah, and we were supposed to find, like, the leader of this rebel cell. And it was very, like... It felt very narratively unfocused. Yeah. And I think that partially on the group, but when you give us that much free range... Like I didn't, I wasn't sure what the purpose of mm-hmm. me dedicating a whole night to was, right? Of like, well, we just sat down for four hours and made no progress on the storyline, so far as I know. Yeah, we just went and robbed this person's car. Well, what was the purpose of us robbing the car yeah. other than like we were going back too much to like age of uh, uh, edge of, edge the, of Empire. the Empire, where it just felt like we we're causing shit for the sake of causing shit. Mm. When it's like, guys, if we're playing a role playing game and we're part of this rebellion. Should we not be trying to be part of the rebellion and not be a bunch of outlaw shitheads yeah. in this city um, that are trying to not be arrested and shit like that? Um, but now that we've found that, and then I joined in, we were given like, do we have to do like these two missions or something? Yeah, you were given four targets and you had to pick two mm-hmm. and, and other rebels would do the other two. So the team did one the week before, the session before. Yeah. And then we had to like infiltrate into this R&D um, building to like destroy it, uh, to blow it up, uh, which is great. Like my guy's an explosives guy. Uh, 
I didn't realize there was going to be someone else in the group that would be way better at explosives than I am. Well, um, but yeah. he's a different type of explosives. I think he's more like mines and C4 and stuff like that, where I'm more like grenades and yeah. and targeting. He has like, good skills. I think you have better talents yeah. for explosives. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, his dice rolling is just like off. Like you see him, you see what his dice pool is, and it's like, how is that not breaking the game? Well, he's like, ways to like upgrade his mechanics mm. check. Noah also knows the game really well. Yeah, like he, he understands how to get the most out of his character and stuff yeah. like that. And I'm learning it, and I'm learning, I'm learning to be better at the role playing aspect of like, like I was this timid character who's really only good at like throwing grenades and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning now that like there are things I can do other than just like blowing shit up or hacking computer. Like, how can I help the group? Yeah, by like before in Edge of the Empire, I was like a rhetoric guy. I could inspire people to do better what they were doing. I can't do that this time. Mm-hmm. So how can I do other things to make sure the group is able to do what they need to do yeah. when it's not my turn? And my turn generally just just blowing shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I put on a janitor's uniform and I like blocked off a corridor like mopping and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, right? And I really tried to to tap into that role-playing aspect of what what can I make this situation into right yeah uh so i really i really enjoyed the last session it was a lot good. of fun yeah. and we got it was a good mix of like we started off with talking and sneaking in and it ended up being like a good fight at the end yeah. where it wasn't just like well let's stick around and just kill everyone it was like okay we got it this is a hard fight but yeah. we can work our way out of it yeah which this is the first fight that i've ever been in where i felt like i was actually doing something okay. i don't know if yeah. that's the way that you make the characters or if that's just this system in general, mm-hmm. but I feel like like I'll shoot someone and it won't do anything, and then they shoot back. I mean, it fucking okay. If I take one more shot, I'm dead. Well, but I'll have, shoot them three times, and it it takes them forever to go down. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that. Like, I mean, there's different things. Like, if you're not playing a dedicated fighting character yeah. and you're not using like a blaster rifle, you're not necessarily doing that much damage. And also, you're firing at groups of enemies. Yeah. And that's groups of enemies firing at you. I think it just comes from my my knowledge of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Comes from uh, the movies. Yeah. Not from this massive rule book. Yeah. And yeah. as much as I love the game, to know every single rule, I don't know how you guys do it. Because to know, like, there's so much to read. So many source books. So many rules here and there. Yeah. Right? Uh, I think it just comes from experience from playing the game. You learn the more that you play. So my experience is if I'm close to you, mm-hmm. let's say within uh, short range, sh- uh, even less than short range, what's uh, if I'm engaged with you and I fire a blaster pistol at you and you don't have fucking heavy armor, you're going down fucking Greedo style. Yeah. Han Solo is going to shoot you from under the table, especially, mm-hmm. and I've done that before in the game where I got the surprise attack on you and it did nothing and you turned around and took more than half of my health away. Yeah. Right. And then that was the that was the feeling I always got in combat in that mm-hmm. game. So I started steering away from it, uh, which I enjoy the combat aspect yeah. of the game. So I was glad that we got into a situation where I was like, "Oh wow, I'm actually doing damage now. I'm actually yeah. killing guys off, not easily, but yeah, I'm doing some good damage." Well, th- this is kind of good to know because, like, I know the system really well. Zach knows the system really well, and Noah does. But you, Jeff, and Elton are kind of. We really enjoy the game, but we don't know all the You're learning, yeah, and as you go. And I think um, I really need to sit down with you guys or 
even pair you guys up with like Noah or Zach or something so you can build up your characters a little more to make, you yeah. know, just so you don't, not so you're min-maxing them, but so at least you feel effective. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I do really focus on uh, talents as opposed to skills. Yeah. Because the talents are so cool. Mm-hmm. But you kind of need the skills as well. To, to be able to make those successful roles. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I, I am enjoying it. I'm looking forward to it. I can't make every single session, but when I when I'm home the yeah. nights that we do, I'm definitely I yeah. definitely jump on there. I, I think t- every two weeks is good because it's Yeah, it is, yeah. Gives people a break and it gives me it's gives me enough time to work on the next session, but also enough of a break uh, but it's close enough to keep me on topic mm-hmm. and everyone familiar with the story and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I've been really excited. I feel like it's really the campaign's really hitting its stride. Like at first it's kinda introducing you to this imperial held city and it's got like ties to the clone wars a little bit and yeah. stuff like that and that was kind of the first act really was getting to know the sit- setting and getting yeah. involved in the local rebel cell mm-hmm. and now it's like you're taking a much more active role so Join yeah. look forward to yeah more of it <laughs> yeah it get this jamming i really like like it's this type role playing is a type of storytelling that's really good and when it's done well with a decent gm and a good group of players it's just so much fun yeah it the more you play it the definitely i'm getting better at the storytelling aspect where it's like now when i roll a triumph or an advantage i know kind of like okay where can i go with this yeah what what uh what routes can i take yeah how far can i go in like what i'm able to do or change the storyline not yeah. just like relying on you to tell the story, but that we can tell the story as well. Yeah, exactly. And I know that I'm not straight. Like this is what happens. Like I kind of like cross by you. Like, hey, I think this is what should happen. Yeah. And I wait for your approval. Like, yeah, that seems appropriate. Right? I mean, it's it's definitely like if you roll three advantage, two advantage, let's say. Yeah. And it's like, well, I want to do this, and yeah, sometimes. Mu- okay, much more often than not, when someone pitches me their idea about positive dice, and not just with this group, but like my old Windsor group and other people, mm-hmm. much more often than not, they need to take it further than going too far. Yeah. Very rarely I'm like, well, that's a lot for two advantage. Yeah. Normally it's like, well, buddy, you rolled a triumph in there too. That's that's just your advantage. What else are you doing with that triumph? Yeah. Like, <laughs> take it further, man. Come on. Yeah. So that's probably what I need to do too, is I don't make the situation go far enough on our side when we when I roll advantage or triumph yeah. when I should and that'll swing things even farther but, our... but I'm not going to be like oh thank god he forgot about that triumph yeah exactly like, I'm yeah. not playing it's your job to yeah like, it's, it, it's our job to to use what we get yeah it's not me versus you guys or you guys versus the environment yeah it's yeah. a it's a collective story yeah, exactly. that we're telling yeah that's how I see it so and part of that is making it challenging so that it's not so it's interesting mm-hmm. but that isn't to say i'm out against the players but i do want to make it tough yeah definitely you want to make it a challenging yeah. mission otherwise it's just a breeze and no one yeah. really like struggles or has that challenge yeah um so yeah i'm looking forward to playing more of that uh but what we have been playing it's not uh warhammer but it is games workshop related Ooh, Ooh shades back yeah Started playing Shadespire. Um, I think it was end of November. I was like, you know what? Come Christmas time, I think I'm going to buy Shadespire. Mm -hmm. And I had a bit of extra time. And before a game I was going to play. And 
Jordan was like, hey, well, you want to play a test game of Shadespire? Like, yeah. yeah, sure, let's do it. They got the, the test one, played that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Couldn't stop thinking about it like all week. I was like, wow, I can't wait to get this game. I can't wait to get this game. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. 160 bucks, all in, buy everything that they have. Went in there, did it. Bam. Yeah. You have everything that you need to play. I've been playing that. Not like crazy. I haven't played it in a little while, but uh, I really enjoy it. But I, it's a really good pickup game. Yeah. Like much better than 40K, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's quicker, so if you're, you know, it's easy enough to go after work and find a game. Yeah. If you know there's going to be someone there to play. That's the problem with a lot of the specialty games for Games Workshop is that, like, people start off playing it a lot. Now, just to to bring your Shades Buyer to Games Workshop mm-hmm. or to any gaming club, you're really taking a roll of the dice. Yeah. No pun intended to, uh, or maybe there is. <laughs> Uh, the chance that someone else is going to have their Shadespire stuff there as well. But at the same time, I can pack my entire Shadespire collection in a bag. No, I agree. And that's what every menta- everybody's mentality should be, but they don't. No, no, no. I, well, I wasn't done. <laughs> I can pack it all in a bag and say, hey, do you want to play a game? Here, do you want to use my Stormcast yeah, or you my can, Skeletons? Yeah, you can bring more than one of yours. You can bring it all with you if yeah, you Yeah, exactly. To, yeah. And it's not that, like, I got to pack a, a skirmish case or whatever anyways and that fits every Shadespire model yeah you can can put everything the cards everything that you need to play the game in a a skirmish kit yeah or like just even the the box itself can hold everything yeah I I wouldn't want the like skeletons rattling around yeah you know like I mean right next to us on the table because I was hoping we'd have time tonight but you know just the boards and the rule books just slide into my backpack with the Shadespire or the skirmish case in and all the cards and dice just in Ziploc bags on top yeah they also um it kind of dried out there for a little bit. It felt like there was no... You knew Skaven was coming, but they didn't give you a date. You know that dwarves are coming, but there was no date. I mean, it's probably going to be the same time, the same release. Because it seems like they're yeah, doing maybe. the double release. But, probably um, the same month. Yeah, well, like uh, Orcs and Skeletons came out the same day, right? Oh, maybe they did. They do a double release normally. Okay. Or normally, it's been one. Um, but there hadn't been anything for a little while there. Uh, but they just brought out that deck builder. Yeah, the card library. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, it's not just the card library, but there's a community of it as well where they're going to be posting, like, you can post your lists and stuff like that. Yeah. So people, it's a community of people, uh, lists that win tournaments. They're going to put, those, like, the grand tournament lists and stuff like that. They're going to put those up there so you can see what cards yeah. they were using and, may, like, copy those lists and stuff like that. Yeah, which I did for my Iron Jaws deck. I took the grand tournament Oh, did you? Yeah. And swapped out all the cards I didn't like. Right on. So... Because I, you actually, know better than the guy that won the grand tournament. No, I'm just joking. No, but like <laughs> no, no, but I, I know how your, I want to play. It's your play style as well. I'm just yeah, and I don't, don't want to just completely net list, only <laughs> a little net list. Uh, yeah, I, I've mainly been playing corn, just because yeah. I really want to master that faction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to play corn. Um, and I was going like hard, hardcore kill people at first, but now I'm switching over to more objective based. Yeah. Because they are fast. And uh, they do do a lot of damage. It wants you. You need those early glory, so you need those objectives. Yeah. And then turn them into beast mode once you only got two guys left. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, but I really want to start playing orcs and even stormcast. Yeah. I don't really have any desire to play um, skeletons. Hmm. I, I really like the skeletons. They're part like. I just I get the, I get a big feeling that like the skeletons are the Tau of. Like the 7th yeah. Ed Tau of 
No, I, I hear you. Like oh, they're, they're... It's just so easy to play skeletons. It's I know. So just protect your warden, and you should win the game if you're playing an objective-based deck. Yeah. No, I, I know they're easy, and which gives me a little bit of a dirty taste in my mouth, but I do enjoy them. Yeah. Orcs, I, like you, I want to get better at, and... I don't know. My Stormcast deck is very aggressive. Like, it's not objectives. It's killy. Yeah. So that, I think I... I've played that one. Uh, one of them was in Windsor. I brought Shadesbar down. Daryl yeah. and I played. Who I think he really liked it. And he's... He I find it's hard not to like Shadespire. Yeah, it's got a lot of depth, and it's fairly straightforward. Yeah. So the rules can be a little confusing, I find, to pick up at first. Like mm-hmm. Some of the nuances of them, like assisting assisting attacks and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, they also released an FAQ as well that cleared up a few things, I believe, on like when activations go over other activations yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they've been good about uh, keeping the up, yeah, keeping the FAQ up to yeah. date. Also, um, the one of the hosts over at Combined Arms Podcast, which is like a multi-game tabletop podcast, they did a big episode on Shadespire. Yeah. They one really of, went in depth on like all the different factions yeah. and all that stuff, yeah. But uh, one of the hosts, Jeff Hummel, he posted on their Facebook page when the card library went up, and he's like, "This is what's gonna make this a tournament game." Yeah, definitely. Like, this is what the community needs. Definitely, hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I missed there was a tournament out in uh, Hamilton that I wanted to go to. Yeah, in like the first week of January or second week of January or something like that, and I didn't end up being able to go. But I think they want to start hosting monthly tournaments. I think that was their idea. Yeah. Monthly, if not like every three months, like maybe quarterly or something like that, um, which is something that I want to get into is going to tournaments for that game. Because while I'm not, obviously this podcast is a narrative 40K podcast and that's kind of my bread and butter now. I enjoy playing narrative 40K. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used, do still get that. I still have that competitive itch. And this is a game that I enjoy playing competitively. Yeah. And I, a problem that I've always had with like competitive 40K was playing like a two hour like committing two hours to like this competitive game mm-hmm. when it's like just two hours of like i need to beat you i need yeah. to do everything in my power to beat you and oh you have a list that's really good i'm just getting crushed <laughs> um yeah whereas this game is just it's it's over and done with so well, fast we could even talk to uh like the manager at gw about hosting a shadespire tournament oh well he was planning on doing one Soon oh, okay, too. perfect. Yeah. I think in Fe- I think the third week of February he's doing one. Yeah, so if for whatever reason that starts falling through, we could always pick up the slack and yeah, say like, definitely. hey, just what Saturday yeah. is most convenient? Yeah, for exactly. Us just to do a monthly this. tournament. I was thinking because like it takes up no space too. So on a six by four table, it it would be a little crammed, but you could fit three tables on a six by four. Yeah, that that'd be pushing a little bit. I'd say you probably want to do two. Yeah, two, but you don't want to take up too much too much yeah. space of the store right but, but i mean if it's an event and people coming in and yeah definitely something and you know we could figure out a way to put up a like maybe as the podcast we could host a prize or yeah, something definitely yeah. Yeah. uh well hopefully they start i know like x-wing does it they start i think they are going to bring out uh like tournament packages and stuff like right. that, that you can uh, that you can purchase i suppose well, it's like, the, uh, I know the way FFG does it, they'll send them to stores and it'll be like alternative art cards and like yeah. little fancier, instead of cardboard tokens, it'll be like acrylic tokens. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I think they plan on doing that too, yeah. which is key when you want your tournament scene to yes. to grow, yeah. is give people a reason to start coming to them other than just gift cards at stores and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, man, no, I'm really enjoying Shadespire. Nice. Yeah, I really want to play it more. So it's definitely... A, I also want to try four-player games. 
Yeah, I haven't played any multiplayer games. No. Just I kind of wanted to learn the game completely before I branched oh. out. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Balls to the wall, man. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be right back and close out the show. All right, man. I think it's been a pretty good episode. Yeah, 26. 26, plus all yeah. the special stuff. <laughs> We've been slacking. Yeah. I've, I've been slacking, but... Uh, life gets in the way. It's not like, you know, we're rolling in dough from the podcast. Yeah, always. exactly. <laughs> uh, I have been enjoying the hobby more lately. I've been taking mm-hmm. more time to, like, I'll admit when we could record, I get a game in instead sometimes. Yeah. And... Yeah. Maybe it feels a little selfish, but it's making me enjoying. It's ma- it's making me enjoy the game more. That that's always the dilemma of the pot, the gaming podcaster. Like, do I record a podcast or do I play the game I'm talking about? Yeah, so, uh, the, the juggle. Yeah, the juggle is the struggle. I, I've definitely heard like other 40k podcasters talk about like this is you give up gaming and hobbying time to do it. Yeah. And, um, the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, uh, we've been talking, and we obviously changed the format. We might be changing the format a little bit more. I still think this is a work in progress. I think it will always be a work in progress. Yeah, which is be, good. You yeah. should always be changing, always it's like evolving. Every campaign is a beta test for the next campaign. Yeah. Uh, we have a few new segments that we kind of want to – I don't think we'll talk about them right now, but that we kind of want to work on, mm-hmm. maybe tweak, and some stuff that I'm really excited for, I think, that are fantastic – yeah, fantastic new segments that really speak to the the podcast that we're trying to be. Yeah, trying to be that narrative podcast for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I think really going forward it's going to be the new format's been working out excellent. Yeah. So uh, we have a Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. We post like hobby updates and uh, share articles and stuff that we find. Yeah, so, I'm. Uh, I was not posting that much on there, but now that I have this like real drive to do this Inquisition Army, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'm going to start up like a hobby blog on there, kind of like a photo album. Photo blog, yeah. That I'll really like keep posting my updates of these because uh, all these like female Inquisitors are so awesome. Yeah. That I really want to like let everybody see. Yeah. Well. See what's going on with that, and it motivates me as well to continue to post content on there too. Yeah, and also gets like. You know, you want to paint more and photograph it. Like, it's, you know, it's easy to just turn on your camera on your phone and just upload it almost instantly. So, yeah, I like taking, like, with my nice camera, I like taking, like, real good photos. Well, of my phone camera is, like, probably better than my nice yeah, camera. Yeah. Exactly. At least for models. If yeah. Not, they, yeah, because the lens I have on my, on my good camera is not conducive to mm-hmm. models. Anyway, so we got the Facebook page. Yeah. We have an email, wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. And am I forgetting anything? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Well, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and yeah, SoundCloud you if you like. You should. That. Give yes. us a nice little review there. <laughs> yeah. Give us a five-star review and because uh, I said so. Yeah. Um, Four-star if you don't like one of us. You know, it's, it's, up, to, it's up to you. We're not, we're not your boss. Look, we're Jay, not. if if they don't like you, they can email me and I'll cut you out. You don't even like me, so you just cut me out of half of the podcast. <laughs> Just me having a one-sided conversation. Isn't that what it is most of the time? <laughs> Back when I did community radio, sometimes I didn't have a guest or a co-host. It was just me speaking for like 20 minutes <laughs> on my own. I could do that 40K. Why not? Why not? Yeah, we need to. <laughs> right on, man. Um, um, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, pay where you play. Support your local store, wherever it is. Definitely. Don't, don't buy recast bullshit online and, you know, go and complain about prices at your local store while you're rolling Yeah, dice. don't buy repressor upgrade kits from Russia. Who does that? People who can't get them because Forge World doesn't sell them anymore. <laughs> that is why I'm doing it. <laughs> With models available at your local hobby store, <laughs> buy them at your local hobby store. My name's Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. Mm-hmm.